What's going down, y'all? How are y'all? How are y'all doing? Uh, we hope that you are enjoying your Survivor Series Sunday early and all of that. Yes. And um, Triple S. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely, man. Not to be confused with Triple X, but we do like that as well. Um, but right now, it is time to talk about wrestling like nobody else in the world. And that means it is time for the first Black Champ podcast. And I am Camp from the Port. And I am JR Bang. Make sure you rate, like, subscribe, download wherever you listen to podcasts. Barbershed Digital is the home. Um, mm-hmm. FBC.POD is the Instagram. Make sure you follow that. Add yourself to the group, First Black Champ mm-hmm. Pod. Uh, for First Black Champ, um, like the page. Um, the merch, we got to do something special for Black Friday, Cyber Sunday. We got to give a good okay. discount for that one. But so we'll we, we, we make sure we put it in the description. So you know, y'all read yeah. the description, y'all can see the code. Like, oh shit, there we go. Let's go ahead and get mm-hmm. that uh insert percentage off, or you know, right. whatever. Because you know, Black Friday. I didn't realize, even though Survivor Series always happened around Thanksgiving, I did right. not realize this was Thanksgiving week. It's been the worst lead up to Thanksgiving ever. Yeah, I, I definitely looked um and I didn't realize all the plans that got made. <laughs> For this period of time, <laughs> you made plans. And obviously, like I was like a quarter dead for like the last the, the two, the three previous weeks before that. Was, so that was. totally threw me off. I forgot to change my out of office. I'm off Monday. That's how, that's that's how jacked up my shit is. Shit, so I totally I, I'm off. I'm off the thirtieth to the fourth. Forgot all about <laughs> that shit. So yeah, technically, my vacation starts <clears throat> on the twenty fifth. Oh man, that's a, yeah. Blackout Wednesdays until oh man, that's oh, that, that's man. good. I, that's and I'm good. mad I ain't gonna be around family. I ain't, I think this might be the second Thanksgiving I wasn't around family. Oh really? Man. Yeah, yeah. Because we was last year. Then everybody came home sick. That's mm-hmm. why we think Damn. we was like we we was like COVID oh, light yeah. last year. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, because I was doing the pod. I was doing the pod sounding like shit. Uh, um what else um no turkey i don't think it's gonna be no turkey shit i like turkey oh. okay yeah I'm, I'm trying to find some legs and some wings uh yeah i'm gonna find fry something. up fry up I mean, hey, but, hey but look you're gonna you about to fix that shit though hey you, know you got damn right because man <laughs> I, that, i'm going I mean? home god damn it 2021, yeah, yeah. I'm back at the crib. And I got to oh, talk about we, we, yeah. we, we, can, we can talk about it. Oh, yeah, yeah. The now. fuck we can. Yes. I'm going home. <laughs> 2021, yeah. we just trying to figure out the best time to do it before the after the baby, more than likely after the baby, because COVID still probably be lingering around or whatever. But now I'm right. back at the crib of 2021. That's why I said after I'm, I got to, I got to, I'm starting to jot down ideas because mm. now being like being able to say that I'm going back to the crib. You know, I'm going back and I'm working same capacity, just, you know, I'm just going to be working from the crib. But now mm-hmm. being back at the crib is going to allow me to do a lot more. I got a lot of I got some ideas. Probably going to hit up Hood and everything, too, about this. <clears throat> we got a guest today, Jonathan Hood, um, yeah. ESPN 1000 Morning Show host, uh, Captain Hood, Captain J Hood, um, and also Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Yeah, this is the first time he's on the show since he's like got the big job. I think he's the yeah. first black person to do sports mornings in Chicago. That's dope. He's wow. like black history. 
Yeah. Hell yeah. Wow. I did not know that. I'm going to ask him just to be sure. See if we could, because then we have to get like one of Black History Month uh, posters. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> it's like being the oh, yeah. clap. Be in the class and shit. They be looking down at you when you look bad, like Frederick Dulles, Douglas, <laughs> Daniel Hell Williams. They all, as soon as you do some bad shit, they looking down at you at the teacher. Just <laughs> right, badass nigga. <clears throat> but yeah, we got. We gonna talk. I'm gonna ask him about that. I think he's like Black History. He should be up um in um about five ten minutes. Um, um, but yeah, make sure you get that merch and all of that. Um, we're bringing Hood onto the show because we had talked about it last week. Mm-hmm. Um, one hood is our wrestling historian. Um, yes. you know, he does Tuesday wrestling Tuesday, follow them, uh, follow him on, um, Twitter at Tuesday, uh, WT, um, and just follow him in general. Um, but you no, know, he's done pods with a lot of your favorite wrestlers or wrestling personalities. He's done, excuse me, he busted open. You know with Mark Henry and stuff, so he, he and, and he's been watching wrestling longer than we've been alive. Uh, we did a great show with uh Junkyard Dog. Um, that was you can check the yeah. archives for that. That's still one of my favorite shows. That and the Boogie D show is my two favorite shows uh of the year. Um, yeah. and we're gonna have him talk about AWA because as we were talking last week, we we started talking. You talked about Nick Bockwinkle and why yes. Nick yes. Bockwinkle never gets talked about and it just made me go oh man we need to have a broader conversation about AWA because and and I shit it on AEW on his show a couple of weeks ago Mm -hmm. and and you know at the time at that time you had AWA um, WWF um, Mid-South a lot of wrestling organizations Doing that thing, and mm-hmm. and now because Vince McMahon had bought up everybody, we don't have that. But now we do because we have MLW, we have AW, uh, AEW, uh, we have Ring of Honor, we have New Japan, New Japan. We have a lot of wrestling organizations, and they haven't been like this for years. Mm-hmm. So I thought it would be great to have a conversation around the wrestling organization that in a sense, really kicked it off for a lot of people. Okay. I'm with it. <laughs> really kicked I'm it off with. with a lot of people and, and really get <clears throat> some of the unsung heroes of wrestling that don't get talked about. Right. Um, like Nick Bockwinkle, as you have said. Yeah. But also why AWA pretty much birthed the new era, the, the, the first golden era, I'll say for us, which was mm-hmm. the 80s. Uh, because the, yeah. a lot of your favorite wrestlers came through AWA, whether during right. the, it was during their heyday, or it was mm-hmm. even during their 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 demise, so to speak. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was going to be a, definitely be a good conversation. Plus, um, Survivor Series, our predictions, um, yeah. and 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 how it's going to smack tonight. Like tonight, <laughs> tonight. I don't think it's gonna be as good as last year. Yeah, yeah. The, the the energy for um last year was so great that it's just not a like the last two years, matter of fact. And and, and I and I hate the brand versus brand concept. But, yeah. But the energy for the last two years, the build up, the intensity, 
the last two years specifically for Survivor Series was great. And now, not so much. And, I, and I'm not going to blame the pandemic or none of that shit. No. Because last year was, last year we blamed Saudi Arabia. Right. I was like, but shit. But, 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 the, but the last elite class of NXT killed that shit. And they made it worthwhile. Okay, that's a good question. I'm glad that you said that. Because I watched mm-hmm. NXT. <clears throat> I had watched NXT Thursday morning. Mm-hmm. It was a dope show, too. It was mm-hmm. a dope show. Um, Rhea Ripley and Io Shahari. Mm-hmm. I got to see that. I missed it. They, they got it in. And, you know, after the match, Io Shahari won. Um, mm-hmm. After the match, her and Rhea Ripley hugged, which led me to believe that Rhea is going to be moving up to the main roster. Okay. Um. Um. At least that's what it looked like to me. Like I don't, mm-hmm. I, I don't see why it, any reason for them to the hug and cry. Yeah, and then go and then get back to both being on Wednesday. Right, especially <laughs> if somebody didn't whoop y'all ass afterwards, and that didn't happen. Right. Mm-hmm. Um. And I think. I won't, well, I won't say she's the last because I think the last of that is the undisputed era. Okay. It's like the last of that 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 class of last year, and the undisputed era came back last uh, well on Wednesday uh, to beat up on um, what's my man yeah, name Pat, Pat McAfee group and his little crew. Yeah, Pat McAfee and the Europeans. <laughs> <Next year. laughs> right, even right, though right. they got American um, up in that joint too. <laughs> Um, but they fought at the end. Um, Leon Ruff, um, can't say that shit enough. Shouts out to Leon Ruff, who yeah. defended yeah. his his North American championship against um against Johnny Wrestling. Um, anytime a black person is a champion, we're gonna celebrate that shit. Um anytime a black person beat Johnny uh wrestling ass, you know I'm here for it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> You just don't like Johnny Wrestling, hey Hood. Yeah. Camp don't like Johnny Wrestling at all, fam. Uh, why? What's wrong with Johnny? Johnny's same face. Why? <laughs> hey, look, he he's really good at what he does, which is the task of wrestling. Yeah. I hate everything else that comes with it. I I, I hate his height. I hate his face. I hate his mannerisms. His music is okay, but it pisses me off because I see his face when he comes out. And does his little um, um, audible Christian move? Like, nah, fuck him, man. Fuck Johnny, <laughs> fuck Johnny Gargano, man. Like, yeah, just, just fuck, just fuck, dude. Like, I don't even like, yeah, just fuck, dude. Like, yeah, That's good though. Look, no, keep, keep, keep having your great ass matches, but fuck you, cause you know what I mean. Like, that's. <laughs> you know what, Cam? Sometimes you just gotta get it out, man. Like, I get it. Like, hey, if you don't, if you don't fuck with him, I, I totally understand it. Like. You know, it's funny. Johnny Gargano's face never changes. His face Man. is always the same. Yeah, he doesn't it's, have it's no like, facials. It's always the same. It's always straight ahead. <laughs> it's, it's like it's like the WWF Warzone uh, game. Like no matter what they made, like when they won the match, they were just. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, like that was it. It was like, all right, man. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, it's cool in '97, but fuck that shit now, man. See? <laughs> See? I man, we got a special guest, as we said on the show. Um, Jonathan, hey, Jonathan Hood, man, morning show, Captain J Hood, Tuesday Wrestling yeah. Tuesday. Are you the first black sports morning show host at in Chicago? Uh, no, Norm Van Leer was first. I'm second. Oh, Norm Van wow. Leer on the score. Yeah, he was uh, part of Bull and the Bear 
Ah, I forgot about Blue. It's been so that, long. That show was killing. Yeah. Was killing. And, that, and Mike North, Mike North said, "Okay, that's enough of that." Um, yeah. but anyway, so yeah, so so yeah, I'm just I'm blessed to be the second. Um, well, the of the sports radio format in Chicago. Well, nice. in the words of Roman Reigns. You will always be our favorite number two. <laughs> as long as that pay, I'll take that. Right. <laughs> that is what matters. So, so before we get to the to, to the big topic on the day, AA, I mean AWA wrestling, um, we wanted to talk about the Survivor Series and how, um, as Camp said, just said that the energy is not the same as far as like the last two years. You had Becky Lynch getting punched in the nose by Nia Jax, really changing the trajectory of her career. Never thought an accident would change the trajectory of somebody's career. And, right. you know, it it turned... It, right, positively, but it turned her into a major star. Um, and then you had, you know, Saudi Arabia, the Saudi Arabia mistake, um, <laughs> turned um, the NXT, put NXT in the forefront of last year's Survivor Series and really made major stars out of Keith Lee. They put Rhea Ripley um, on the map, who um, I was telling Camp had a great match with Io Shahari uh, on NXT the other night. Um, it put the it put the the battery on the Adam Cole back. Um, um, but this AJ and um, yeah, uh, homie. Uh, and the other man's um, forgot who it was. Yeah. Was it Seth? It <sighs> Why do I want to say Daniel Bryan? What Daniel Bryan? Yeah, yeah, Daniel Bryan. Um, uh, this year might not have that, but with some of the higher the matches on the on the higher card, most notably Roman versus um, um Drew McIntyre rematch from WrestleMania a couple of years ago, like that match in particular is is looking like one of the most anticipated matches of the year. But going into Survivor Series tonight. Um, on Sunday, what are your thoughts on the pay per view? Well, I just think it's great that we have history that we get the new day against the Street Profits. Um, it's something I didn't think we'd ever see. I think that's that's the number one thing. Um, as I told you, um, Bang, I, I just can't believe how many black people are on the card. Um, because when you've watched wrestling as long as I have, and to be able to see meaningful programs, not just like side stuff or just like for attractions to have right. meaningful matches like the New Day and the Street Profits means a lot to not just what's going to happen in the Survivor Series, but the history of the business. Uh, we haven't seen anything quite like this, and WWE is providing that. Um, I think that I'm interested in finding out what this uh, Undertaker farewell is. Is dude wrestling? Is he going to be honored? I'm not sure what that is, um, mm. but this is the this is the uh, goodbye that will never go away. Like, my man, my man, you've had your final match. You've had three or four Back then, it would have been meaning like profitable DVDs, pretty much. And that's on the WWE network. You've had everything. So, right. so is this it, or are you coming back next WrestleMania? Like smoking go smoking skull sessions is today. I mean, dude, like, okay, you had a great career. Good the fuck by. That's it. So you're not you're not gonna enough. you're not gonna grab any of the Undertaker Snoop Dogg collection. No, I'm not doing that. No, I'm not doing that. Like, no. dude, like, okay, like now, now we're seeing Mark Calloway. Like, he's talking so much where it's like he's on like two, he's on a, a the cable action show, two ferns between two ferns. He's everywhere now. That people magazine, 
the People magazine shit. I was like, all right, my my childhood's done. Yeah, man. He's cooking with the family. Um, like, so my so my prediction is is that he's gonna be the final man. That's my prediction. He's gonna be the final man. He's gonna do. He's gonna be the Undertaker, but he's gonna be the Mark Cal. He's gonna be mean Mark Callis. Yeah. He's gonna okay. be mean Mark Callis. So he's not gonna. He's not gonna be. You know, look at the size of that ham hock. He's not gonna be right. that. But <laughs> right. I can't. I don't believe for one second that Otis is the last member of Team SmackDown. Yeah. Yeah. So what happens is, is that the Undertaker's not gonna like what he's done, and the cameras will be following him. And he'll be like, yeah, I didn't really like that. So I feel like I can go out a better way. Maybe Royal right. Rumble. Like, no, man, no. Goodbye. Because <laughs> <laughs> we've already seen it, right? He's going to be right. like, yeah, you know, five minutes. You know, I could have been out there for 10 or 15, Vince. But uh, right. you know, whatever you say, but if you need me, call me. And all of a right. sudden, you know, he's, he'll have his conservative T-shirt on. Back to Right, you know what I'm you know, so, like, I never know it's done when it's actually done until I see him like be part of some breakup, some pull apart as a as yeah. agent out there with a skinny black tie and white shirt. Until I see him doing like his black jack Lanzarote, like I'll never believe that he's really done. Hey, I'm with you at this point. I'm with yeah. you. Ah. Yeah, I mean, matter of fact, it was and and um, and I missed we missed some programming. We had Brothers of Destruction. Yeah. Right, so did not watch. We got, I didn't either. We got the smoking skull sessions today, today, part two. Oh, uh, we got another one, yeah, they're doing another one. I don't know what else they can talk about. I, I don't know. Like, I, they, I, they literally covered the first day he decided to wrestle until right. he retire. What the fuck else is it to talk about? I mean, they, they, did, Paul, they did the Paul Barrow thing, Paul yeah. Barrow that was what I said. They did the Paul Barrow mortician, yeah. which, was which I did like that. Which was in around to talk more about the Undertaker. Like, dude, I saw Percy <laughs> world class. Let's talk about Percy in world class. Let's lock into his relationship with Rick Rude. I don't care. I like. Okay, I know that Paul Bear is when he got his money, right? Mm-hmm, he didn't get right. Gulf Coast wrestling or world class. You know, I understand that, but it's about Percy. Oh my Undertaker! Like, here he comes. Here he goes. Like, roll Undertaker out there. Talk about his boy. Yeah, he was the great guy. Like, dude, this is not about you. It's about mercy, man. Right. So, I mean, he'll be in every documentary. That's going to be a new one. He's, he's yeah. going to be out there like, you know what I told those kids? I'm like, you know what? For a black act, you're not bad. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's going to be in everything now. Well, they got the Undertaker. They got the Undertaker Snoop Dogg collection. And if you ever seen Snoop Dogg clothes when he had a clothing line, those was Marshall specials. Um, right. So we'll see right. what happens with that. Um, like who what wants else? That though, like, like who, who really wants that? And, and me being the hip hop head and wrestling fan, I am. I, I don't want that shit. <laughs> like, why? Why? What? He don't even come out to a Snoop Dogg record when he was the American Badass. Why? Why do we want this? Not that I want a Kid Rock Undertaker collection. I don't want that. I don't I mean, want. We don't want a Fred Durst. Either. We don't want that one either. Right, I don't want that either. But the Fred Durst like, Cash Snoop Money Dog? Collection. Right, hey, look, Snoop Dogg is probably the only black uh, rapper that he likes, and he's just like, well, hey, let's just make it happen. He's a fan. He wore a Hulk Hogan shirt, did the most worst clothesline we've ever seen. Uh, Sasha, go call your cousin. TV. Sasha, right. call your yeah, cousin. You know what I mean? uh, what is? I know it's something else too. 
I think it's something else when the, the People magazine cover. Yeah. Um, they why. did that. So, but but today is actually the thirty, the thirtieth anniversary of his debut. Yeah. On here's here's why you might be right, because Kane the Undertaker has a different debut date than the Undertaker. And right. as we said on the Undertaker show, um, the the um the real or history of the Undertaker show, check the archives. There's Candy Undertaker as the debut, then there's the Undertaker. So the the Undertaker debuts thirty years ago today, and I think they say like John John Bradshaw Layfield's supposed to jump through, uh, come through the um the Godfather's supposed basically all of the Undertaker friends who are alive. So Yokozuna will not be here. Um, Paul, um, Paul, um, Bear is not going to be here. So everybody who's alive, who was part of the, um, the BSK is supposed to be there, which is why I think the other, which is why I think me Mark Callis is going to replace him tonight. He's going to grow through with his motorcycle vroom, 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 and it's going to be the old, it's going to be the ministry of darkness. That had a little bit more rock in it. That's going to be the thing because they can't do the Fred Thirst or the Kid Rock. Maybe do the mm-hmm. Kid Rock because, you know, Kid Rock, Trump, all that shit. But he's going to come through and he's going to take down everybody. And then he's going to put his shit in the middle of the ring. And the, the, the gongs is going to go off. And then what a fitting end to the career of The Undertaker. May it rest in peace. Yeah, I don't know, for, Vince. You know, I've a couple of moves there. You know, body slam wasn't really solid. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I just feel like yeah, I can have a little bit more to give. I don't know. I mean, hey, <laughs> go take know. take off the glove. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean, but, if you in January, let me know. You know what I mean? Uh, but let's go to the black stuff real quick. <laughs> let's go to the black stuff real quick because you had talked about this when we had talked about um, when we were talking on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday, and I'm going to add a couple of things. So tonight we have the Street Profits versus um, the New Day. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It was all it could have been the hurt business versus the street yeah. profits. So that makes it even better with that. We got Bobby Lashley going up against Sami Zayn. Um, so Bobby Lashley has a prominent spot on here, too. Um, uh, Sasha has a prominent spot on this card because she's going up against Oscar, which when those two wrestle, they always burn down the, uh, the arena. Um, so so the colors is going to be spotlighted a lot. <laughs> Keith Lee is going to Keith Lee is a part of of the, the only person who's not a part of this pay-per-view that's black is Big E. And I'm still confused on why he is not on the on the sub. Maybe he missed the cut because he just came off of a feud with Sheamus. Sheamus is on team raw. So it makes sense for Big E to be on Team SmackDown instead of, let's say, Baron Corbin. But besides all of that, um, even let's even add Leon Ruff, the unlikely North American champion who's about as big as my leg. Right. <laughs> um, right. Landon might weigh more than him, but... You know, shouts out to Leon Ruff because Leon Ruff used to do his thing and evolve. Um, yeah. And, you know, his girlfriend is a referee. So, hey, you know, shouts hey. out to Asia. But but I I wanted to bring that up to oh, expound. That's yeah, that's him. 
Nice. <laughs> so I wanted I to expound on I wanted you to expound on some of what you was talking about on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday about the 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 representation that's going on, especially leading into a big four. Like this ain't this ain't no backlash. This is a big four pay-per-view, a prominent pay-per-view. So I want you to talk about how you felt about the how you feel about the inclusion, the black inclusion on this pay-per-view. It, it's it's I think that for millennials that are listening, they look at it as well, this is just a microcosm of society, right? Of course, African Americans and Samoans and Latinx wrestlers would get a chance to be on the card. Now you still understand how big this is for me as a wrestling fan, because for many, many years, Cam, you saw one black guy on the card and that guy had to dance, or that guy was skinning and grinning, or that guy was popular. Again, he made money but not as much as the, the top people on the card. And right. so it means a lot to me to be able to see the plethora of African-American wrestlers in the WWE, not just uh, you know opening the show, not just as a throwaway, but in prominent roles. Uh, even yeah. seeing Roman Reigns in this way, Roman Reigns is coming across as, as the blackest champion that we have seen, more so than The Rock than more so than Ron Simmons, because he's breaking the mold of just, I have to read the WWE script the way Vince McMahon wants me to read the WWE script. It doesn't sound like that. When Roman's like that, Roman's just like, man, look, <laughs> Drew, Drew McIntyre, the reason why they made you champion is because <laughs> I was busy, you know? It, it, it's like, they, it breaks the mold of this same old, and he yeah. comes across like, man, I know that guy's supposed to be the heel, but that guy's cool, because he's not sound like everybody else. So it, yeah. uh, when we think about the, the biggest events in the history of the business, like WrestleMania and Starcade. Uh, when you think about some of the big shows that happen internationally, when you had one black star, or well, Rocky Johnson would be the only black person in the building, right? Mm. Those are the things that you just kind of think about and you fast forward into 2020 and you see like these programs. When I see the Hurt Business, when I see them come down the ramp and they're doing an interview segment with the New Day and, and the Street Profits, I'm like, wow. That's a lot of black people at one time and one right. on one card on that one matters. segment of Raw. Like yeah. wow. And and so I don't take it lightly because man, we've come a long, long way. And I, I just look at and Bobby Lashley, you know, when I see the hurt business, it's so the hurt business is what I've been telling Bang for years and what I've wanted, right? Mm. Four guys that are business. Four guys that come down and they're just there to be able to just wrestle because they've been undermined, but not in a way where it's overly negative it's just like we're businessmen and we're coming there to beat your ass i love that i love that i've been yeah. waiting for that for a long time it's not the horsemen it's not the free birds it's not devastation incorporated it's just the hurt business it's right. the first of its kind and so that's why that's special to me yeah and i mean and, and likewise for us even though you know obviously you have been watching longer than us but even the transition where we come in in the 80s like we see the last of it and we and we see a lot of wrestlers that were really worth a damn like you know your jyds and all that past their prime so like again the education that we got on jyd in the last show i was like well shit i need to google and and, uh, and just rehash and rethink because i mean i want to say outside of ron simmons you know you know we had like ahmed johnson and uh that didn't really work, you know what I mean? And then, then, then we get into <laughs> then we get into like, you know, uh Papa Shango, Kama Mustafa, Kama the Supreme Fighting Machine, Godfather, 
So that to let you know that that's not working. I got to call them five people before we even talk about them. And so which one's coming tonight? Is it going to be the Godfather? Is it going to be Kama Mustafa who had a, a war with the Undertaker? Is it Papa Shango who had a few? Is it the Soul Taker? Like, which one of these Charles Wright characters should we get tonight? It's the proprietor. It's the proprietor of P Valley. That's who we're gonna get tonight. Right, right. I was gonna say right. I was gonna say like, yo, like he made it clear, like, no, I'm the Godfather in real life. Like that was some, like this was some, that was some, that was some bullshit. What I do is this. Like I bring bitches. I got I got drinks. And, <laughs> like, but you know what's crazy? But you know what's crazy? That's a legit question for me because the Godfather and the Undertaker didn't have run-ins. Like I know True. y'all was friends, but Kama took your Kama took your urn and made it into a gold chain, fam. Like that's yeah. the, that, if you think about it, well, like underrated wrestling moment. <laughs> that's what that's it's two <laughs> un, it's two underrated wrestling moments with the Undertaker, and we talked about watching old, old superstars episodes last week, Camp. That's one. The other one is Mr. Hughes taking the urn. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Mr. Hughes don't get talked about when it comes to the history of Undertaker. We need him here too. Like, yeah. I, <laughs> I need I him here Kurt. too. Just, I, I love Kurt Hughes to come on down there with the sunglasses. I'd love that. I told you, yes, I, story. I told you the Mr. Hughes story before, right? Nah. Oh, you talk about when he you saw him at the ring. At the pavilion, yeah. Yeah, at the pavilion. Yeah, 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 yeah. You, yeah. Hey, I need all of them. I need, I need the I mean, if basically if you dead, don't come. So like Giant <laughs> Gonzalez, he's not gonna make it. No, he's not gonna make it, you know. Um, who else? Who's another one? Um, is the berserker still around? Uh John Nord, yeah, but he's running from the law. Oh, he's running from the law? Yeah. Oh, so he really well, is he did. Yeah, he, he did try to stab the Undertaker on Superstar. Yes, so he's running the ball. That's, he's around, but he can't be seen right now. Yeah, you gotta, gotta call John Walsh for that one. Damn. <laughs> yeah, like I, I. But yeah, I want I want everybody who I want every meaningful feud of the Undertaker to come through. Like especially the black ones. Like I want to see Miss Hughes. Like yo, I took your I took your urn, fam. Before such and such did it. <laughs> Kama come through. Yeah, I mean, this nice chain. Yeah, this was the, the old souls. Like, I need, I need all the people back tonight. So, you know, this is your life, this shit. Um, um, now transitioning from that to the Samoans, you know, and, and the, the Samoan and the Scott, um, Roman Reigns, Drew McIntyre. Roman Reigns to me have the best matches against the, 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 um, the, the guys who are going to be rough. You know, he his his matches with with Braun Strowman, I liked because they gonna go they they're gonna go at each other. Um, and Drew McIntyre, I liked that match at WrestleMania that they had. But Roman Reigns won that match. So any chance that the secondary champion go over against the face of the company? You know, I would say no. Well, well, even rewinding the tape. Randy Orton's got to be like, damn, after all that work I put in, you just, I want me to just hand a championship over to Drew? <laughs> I mean, that Randy Orton gave you his best work since he first came into the business. I thought he was smooth when he first came in. And then there was like this 10 to 12-year lull where I'm like, wait a minute, is Randy Orton even as good as his Uncle Barry O? Damn. Anyway, so 
because he was doing the same thing. It was like the five moves of doom, right? He wasn't doing much, right? He was the same guy over and over again. Yeah. But I thought that this past year, guys, was his best work. And then he has to hand the championship over to Drew McIntyre. It's funny about Drew. If you give him the championship, how do you know he's over? Like Roman Reigns, we know he's over. Like the reason why he was booed when we had fans back in the day is because someone had to replace John Cena. Somebody had to eat shit. So it was Roman Reigns, right? He gets yeah. leukemia, then he gets cheered again. And now we got to go through this pandemic. I don't even know if Drew McIntyre is over. I have no idea. Like I like his matches, but we you don't really know whether or not a guy's over unless you have crowd support. You don't mm-hmm. really know if he's over or not. So I would just say that Roman Reigns, I think, should be able to be the top guy. I think that he should go over in this match because Roman's hot right now. Drew's good, but Roman's hot because of the uh, the change. Is Drew McIntyre Roman? No, excuse me. Is Drew McIntyre Lex Luger if they would have gave him the belt against Yokozuna? Because that's uh, yeah. what it feels like to me. Yes. Okay. Oh, <laughs> yes. Yes. That's what it feels like to me. Like, because yes. Because We're watching the Lex Luger the, title run. Yeah, it would have been, it would like give Lex the championship. And then you're like, oh, Lex Luger's the champion in WWF. And then like, there's a half a house in South Bend. Like, oh, it's 2,200 people here. What are you doing in Indianapolis? Oh, 3,000 people. Chicago, what? 10,000 people. <coughs> Not over. We got to change the title. That's what would happen. <laughs> like, that's what, that's what Drew, like, and nothing against Drew. I'm not. No, I'm not tripping on Drew because yeah, because Drew McIntyre is the only European wrestler that can't blights. He's racist against Europeans. Well, 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 not racist. I just don't <laughs> respect a lot of them. That's all. <laughs> so that's all the white wrestlers. He goes, all <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know what? We're way very decent with me. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Pete Dunn decent with me. You know, mm-hmm. but we can't. We can't. We we're not giving love to like. 50% of their roster, like, no, like, maybe, like, if there's, like, 100 of them, there's probably, like, 15 to, like, 13 that I could dig. Not a fan of Wolfgang. He's not a fan of Wolfgang. Yeah, I, 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 I couldn't even see dude's face when you said his name. I, I don't not, even... Yeah. He's not a fan of Tyler Break. Yeah, nah, fuck, dude, man. Nah. <laughs> so, let me ask you a question. So, you don't fuck with Walter? He's okay. I'll put him in that 13. Like, he's okay. <laughs> he's okay. He's like, okay. And, I mean, like, and, 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 and when I say this, Hood, I don't mean this as in wrestling ability. Like, some of these guys are really great in the ring. I just don't fuck, I just don't fuck with him. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, how There's you need to reach like, him in. The yeah, chops you know is not doing it for him, Hood. Man, <laughs> you see a young man come to life when you see Walter. Are you kidding me? That's what Andre looked like when he first came into business. Now, like okay, that. now obviously now I'm glad you brought that up because, the, and this might be blasphemous to all the wrestling fans before me, but I remember us having the show, please check the archives, where I was like, yo, again, I'm born in the 80s. Why the fuck we celebrate Andre the Giant like this? And and, and and I had to really like go back and I was like, oh, he actually did a dropkick and shit before. Oh, okay. Like, I didn't know that before that, before my dad decided that he was going nut that this nigga was the man. Like, I did not know that. So <laughs> I, I was know, like, okay, Afro Andre was lit. 
I had to educate myself. <laughs> so, 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 yeah, so, so pre nut, Andre was over. Yes, we got okay. <laughs> Boom, I'm with it. I'm with it. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, like hey, so, you know, I'm, I'm, like off top, I'm one of those wrestling fans that's willing to admit that I got to go back and, and, and look and get educated yes. because and, and now that you've made that correlation, oh. now I'm going to watch more of Walter just to see if I see oh. what you see. Yes, absolutely. So, oh. for, well, we say that, Bang, only for historical context, that pre-nut. Uh, right, <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying. Pre, pre, big Ricky nut. Andre the Giant was the man. But no, but see, I don't know if you had saw it in the group, uh, where somebody had put up the like the 80s, 90s, 2000s, 2010s, yeah. and was and I was like, yo, who's beating Andre the Giant? And and, and they was like. He couldn't move. I'm like, yo, y'all didn't see Andre the Giant before eight, like eighty to eighty four. Andre the Giant was lit. He just started dying in 1985. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but eighty to eighty four, Andre the Giant <clears throat> was was the goat status. Yeah, yeah. Andre, I know this is not a this is not a podcast on Andre, but Andre was going was touring the country, going territory to territory because he was in traction. And you had to get on the list, a booking sheet. Vince Vince Senior had to call Bill Watson in Mid South and Eddie Graham in Florida and Vern Gagne in AWA and say, "When can Andre come into my territory?" And Andre, mm. before he started dying, like around WrestleMania two, mm. the WrestleMania three, that dude was moving around quickly. That guy, I mean, and he got body slammed by Harley Race on a regular basis. That's someplace on my Instagram, someplace where. Uh, Harley Race in uh, Houston for mm. um, what the hell is that bang in Houston? The, the um, territory in Houston. Paul Bosch is here. Okay, Paul Bosch. So, so he just he just picked up just in the middle of the match. Harley's like, "All right, slam!" Ah, and just picked him up and slammed him. And like wow. the crowd was like, "What?" <laughs> he just right. Andre and just went to transition and then went to like a. A step over toehold, like in a transition, like it wasn't a big move. Like I just slammed Andre, and now here comes the side headlock. Like, wow! Damn. No like, wonder, no wonder Harley Race make all these lists. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no wonder um, Andre. I mean, no wonder Harley Race be high on all these lists, on all these greatest wrestlers lists. Yeah. If I see that too, I'm like, oh, yo, I know he was a fucking man. Like, you yeah. know But yeah. see, we saw Harley Race when he was the king. Yeah, right, and when and when he was racist as fuck with Lex Luger, like, yeah. <laughs> like. I and is and, and before we get to the AWA conversation, um, uh, because speaking of lists, that's one of the reasons why we're having this conversation because Camp talked about a specific wrestler who's never on people's list. Um, going back to Walter, uh, because you you talked about it on your pod, he just had a match for the in uh for the NXT UK championship. I can't pronounce my man's name, but I call him the crazy Russian dude. Ilya Dragunov. There you go. But that's how hard I'm gonna watch this. Hey, just talk about that match because when I watched that match, I said I said this is the match that Camp needs to see. Oh my god. Okay. Yeah, you do need to see it. It's in okay. it's in Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. It's in the description because I know a lot of cats don't fuck with the WWE network, so I got it off of Daily Motion. So, mm, okay. so, so the link is there. It's about a 35 to 38 minute match 
And it's what wrestling could be today in that two guys, physical, right? Walter is a guy that's got the big overhand chop and he moves like a cruiserweight and Dragunov looks like he's completely cracked out, like he's completely just out of his mind, right? Big (laughs) eyes and, uh, you know, he's an actual Russian wrestler, but just the physicality of that match. Mm. And, and it stands out even more so because there's no fans at the BT Sport Arena in London. So it's mm-hmm. kind of like what you see with Impact Wrestling or whatever. Like it's nobody there, no screens. Right. It's just it's just the referee, two wrestlers, a ring, lights, camera. Let's go, right? Oh, wow. It is the it. most one of the most physical matches that I've seen in a long time. It's in my top five of matches for 2020. It, I would really recommend everybody watching that because. What everybody was, well, some wrestlers doing cosplay stuff and AEW playing grab ass and all this shit. You have Dragonoff and Volter doing stuff that could be wrestling today, and that is physical. Now, if you like your wrestling silly, you're not gonna like this. But if you like mm. two guys that beat the hell out of each other, where both their chests are red, they're bleeding, legit bleeding, um, okay. you gotta be able to take take a look at that because you don't get wrestling like that in the modern day in 2020. Okay. All right. Sold. Sold, guys. All right. I'm checking it out. There you go. We break it down. I'm, I'm gonna check out two. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna check out two European wrestlers at the same damn time. All right. That's I want to report though. I don't. I want to report. I don't want your like your, your Maya Angelou thoughts at four in the morning about your life. I want. I, I want. I want a full report, Cam. I want a full report. Yes. Hey, I got you. I got You're breaking you. Breaking down I, I, racial I, barriers. I, I'm going to. I want a full report of that match. I don't want that when I get up at four in the morning and I, I go to the Twitter and I'm like, when I look at my life and you see what I see. I don't, I don't want <laughs> Yeah, I don't you want don't that. like that? No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want you to give me your full thoughts on that match. Okay, but I'm with it. Okay. Hey, this is what this is what we'll do. I'm yep. going to watch the match in full, and I am going to. I, I might even immediately like just give my recap, or I might let it sit for a minute. I was gonna, I was gonna say we got to do that. We got to do that as comp. We got to do that as side content for for the for the Instagram page. Absolutely. Do the little video. I put the banner on it. We good. <coughs> nah, we gonna yeah, all right, we gonna content that out. All right, there man. So the main so the main reason we ball hood we ball hood on because as we said early on the show, and as you heard during the um the junkyard dog pod. Um, Hood is is a wrestling wrestling historian. He's been watching you no know, wrestling before any of our dads nutted and our moms and hit eggs. Uh, so pre nut, um, he's been watching wrestling. Um, and and he and even the stuff that's before him, like he he studies he studies the the, the game. He studies the the history of this joint. And and Camp said something last week that I was like, damn, I didn't even notice this. And I know a lot of this is because of, you know, Vince McMahon puts out a list or whatever, and, and Vince puts out this list of the greatest wrestlers or the greatest factions, and is always top-heavy with people he likes. You know, he messes with and all that stuff. But when you see other people just make random lists of wrestling, we see how influenced by the WWE they are. Mm-hmm. And one name that came up last week was Nick Bockwinkle. And Kev asked why was... Why is Nick Bockwinkle not on any of those lists? Now, Nick Bockwinkle never wrestled for the WWE in the in the gold in the new golden era, in the 80s golden era. Uh, he was done by then, but he be, because of his feuds with wrestlers, 
he ended up basically influencing the WWE with some of those wrestlers, which led me to say, yeah, people don't really talk about the AWA and how influential the AWA was to even what we do now. So I thought it would was important to bring you on the show. Yes, this is first black champ, but we about to talk about some of the whitest shit in wrestling that you can ever talk about <laughs> because AWA was white as fuck, ladies and gentlemen. And we're going to tell you why, but we're going to talk about it in a good way because it influenced wrestling. And I think it would be helpful to have a AWA type if we don't have it already when it comes to the wrestling organizations today. So first I want to go with Nick Bockwinkle. Um, mm-hmm. Hood, talk to us about why Nick Bockwinkle is so great, but it looks like now it's so underrated. Well, first of all, Nick Bockwinkle is my favorite wrestler of all time. Hey! Wow. So this is why you put Black Tanae on, because I could give you, give you all the stuff that you need to know uh, yeah. about the AWA. So as a shorty growing up in the 70s, my grandfather was watching the AWA. I was like, what is this? What are you watching? And so here I go in the back room, smoke-filled, of course. And I'm through the smoke and through the black and white TV, I could see wrestling on TV, right? Studio wrestling out of Minneapolis. And there was the AWA. And it was on Channel 26 in Chicago, right? Um, so syndicated throughout the Midwest and a few parts of the West, there was the AWA. And that was my joint. That was the crib because that represents Chicago. When people ask me, like, what was your favorite uh, organization growing up? I say the AWA because it was Vern Gagne's TV that turned me on to wrestling in the early 80s, right? AWA, the home of 10,000 squash matches, 7,500 great promos, and one angle a year. That was the AWA, right? And that's how it was, right? So Nick Bonner was the guy that was my guy because – he was always arrogant, man. He came out there. He had he didn't have Bachwinkle on his robe. It would just be a, a ring jacket that says Hollywood, right? Hollywood. And he was just the most arrogant guy. He'd have these big words he'd use uh, in interviews. And he had a talking piece. He had Bobby Heenan, which is kind of funny because Nick didn't need a manager, but Bobby was able to be to talk to you on a certain level. Bobby was from the crib. He's from Chicago. So he would talk to you directly about certain areas of the city, certain areas of the Midwest. And so he was always good bringing the conversation down while while Nick was up here saying all these kind of things, speaking with such profundity, talking over the head of the people that are watching. And so when he get in the ring, you know, Nick would, would was a classic heel, always on the background, but he also wrestled very well. And so he was just got, kind of like in that Ric Flair mode of, I will make this wrestler. I'll wrestle you 30 minutes. I'll wrestle you 60 minutes as long as I get the title back or if I win by disqualification. But he was always that guy that you'd want to watch because you want to pay a ticket to see somebody beat Bockwinkle's ass because he was, you, he was, it was never, you could never ever see a crack of him being a baby face at any time because he was mm. always that dude. I didn't even know if he was maybe 20, maybe 10 years past his prime when I was watching him, but he was still very good. So Nick probably doesn't get his acclaim because he didn't have the national platform as Hogan, uh, Ric Flair, and others moving forward. But Nick is my favorite because um, he's unmatched as far as in-ring, coming to your town. You want to see him get his ass whooped, and he ends up with the title more times than not. The silver plate championship, like the biggest-ass championship that you'll find. It's like the thing is like this big. 
it's, it's not great, <laughs> but it's this big, right? So I, I really appreciate Nick and what he did. That was my guy. Kent? All right. You know, um, to your point, Hood, on um, I think uh, I, I just got into the rabbit hole of watching a lot of just like Nick Vakovic like promos and and just like highlights. Classic. And and I was like, I was like, yo, like, like this is a lot of your, um, just like you said, like your your blueprints for your Ric Flair's and your your blind and arrogant wrestler. Like it looks like he was the original prototype for the the blonde arrogant wrestler that can really wrestle um maybe not the uh, greatest as far as like you know physique or, or things like that or, or or great in stature but he makes the night and you know um i mean uh watching russell war uh, 91 even and i looked at how everybody was so cookie cutter of what was like, I guess, 88 Ric Flair. Yeah. <laughs> like, because, you know, Tommy Rich and Buddy Rogers and like all, all of those different guys. I was like, but damn, they all look the same. And it's and it's one of those things that um, even made me think of, you know, stunning Steve Austin and how he said later he understood why he got fired because it was nothing special about me. I was just another blonde white guy. You know, well, he didn't say white guy. I'm saying that. But he was like, I was like another six two blonde guy that could wrestle right and by the time we get to 93 94 it's like fam you're not special like at all yeah, <laughs> so. Yeah. And so and, and nick and that's what made nick different because he was that blonde guy but the di difference is cam is like the promo separated him from everything else right dude mm -hmm. lived in california talked about the life of being a californian and being an elite athlete but the difference between buckley and flair is Flair turned it all the way up where he talked about women and mm -hmm. hey, after the matches, meet me at the Baltimore Marriott. If you're 18 and, and older, meet me there. If you got a full sweater, like all this stuff. He talked about this stuff <laughs> on TBS, right? Like I got the money, like I got the credit, like the, he, he take off his gator shoes. See, Bachwinkle wouldn't do that. That's yeah. the thing that's that stopped Bachwinkle from being like being like Ric Flair, because he wouldn't mm -hmm. talk about women. He wouldn't talk about like cars and limousines and all that stuff. That's that's Bachwinkle on steroids. That that would be Flair because yeah. he did all yeah. that stuff. Nick just talked about his wrestling prowess and how he's better than everybody else. And for that yeah. time, uh, that resonated with a lot of people. Right, he'll be he'll be like so like you're, you're a pissant and you can't wrestle. Like that's right. <laughs> and I'm about to beat your ass. <laughs> <laughs> right. Who would be the wrestlers? I'll say in like the last five <clears throat> years that you would say are are. Poor men's Nick Bockwinkle, Nick Bockwinkle light. I, matter of fact, I'll say last 10. Because um, one come to mind for me based off of what you just said. Give, give me give me one because, like, I know that there, where some could come in, but they're suppressed in their um, in their personality, in their Okay, so I got like, two then. Like, just like, 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 a, like, a, like a Chad Gable would, would be that guy, but he's not allowed to be that guy. So he, he did not come to mind, I'll tell you that, but I, I get it. But the first person that come to mind is when they put the suit on Chris Jericho. That's who he when, wanted to be. Right. That's there you go. Like yeah. when they put the suit on Chris Jericho when he came back, and then you know he he got hit in the face by the big show. He turned the heel and all that stuff, and and he he started coming through with the suits, and he started talking with the big words, and I was like, 
okay, where did this Chris Jericho come from? This is, yeah. <laughs> but now listening to you and then thinking about some of the promos, it's like he watched Nick Bockwinkle promos and said, this is what I'm coming out as. The other person that I, it sounded like you was alluding to, at least for me, is The Miz. Yes. Yes. And, and the Miz would be the closest to the Nick Bockwinkle, but they make him clowny. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's, that's, and that's because he can't same. wrestle as good as Nick Bockwinkle. That's there you exactly go. Right. Right. That's the <laughs> other part of that, that too. Um, so so take us to the AWA, man. As as you said, they, the AWA was a Midwest <clears throat> promotion. It was based in Minnesota, Minneapolis, Minnesota, but their stronghold was the Midwest, especially Chicago. Um, so 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 you talked about what the mit, what what AWA meant for you and how you got introduced, but what did AWA mean for Chicago? Well, I meant everything to Chicago because keep in mind that the WWE was not traveling to Chicago back in 1982-83. Imagine wow. a wrestling imagine wrestling and the WWE never coming here to the crib. I mean wow. that's that's amazing. But the yeah. WWE was still a northeast promotion. It was still in New York and New Jersey and Connecticut. It was just mainly in the Northeast. They did not travel. They were not a national broad, uh, national um, uh, company just as of yet. Um, you think about like world class was just Dallas. You think about the Sheik's uh, company in Detroit. It was just stayed in Michigan, a little bit of Wisconsin. But the AWA was Midwestern. And because they had that reach in those different stations across the Midwest, it was big. But for Chicago, it was everything. Um, at the International Amphitheater, that's when I first started going to wrestling at 43rd and Halston, right? Imagine, by the way, an arena. Think about 43rd and Halston now. Imagine there was a major arena there once. Like, hey, right? Are you sure? So, anyway, so, <laughs> <laughs> so wait, wait, wait. So that's where the Halston Street fights come from, all of that. That's where the Halston Street fights come from. Yes. Ah, okay. Hey, that, hey, that makes perfect sense. It makes perfect what was the sense. Hey, yeah, they were right. <laughs> the one man gang from? He was from Austin gotcha. Street. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, man. Oh, wow. Hey, I love when the See, puzzle pieces yeah. come together, man. Aha moments. <laughs> so, so, so when you had Austin Street fights, it's because of what happened at the International Amphitheater. And I was there as a kid with my grandfather, right? And so we saw the AWA. We saw Bobby Heenan bleed every, every month. They'd come in here wow. and would be sold out every single time. Because you know Chicago loves wrestling. They love it. Yeah. So it started with the AWA. And keep in mind during that time, and this is where I got to take you on the ride, right? Let's so go. all of the favorite wrestlers that you might have loved in the 80s had to come through the AWA. It's two major companies where some of your best superstars came from. They either had to come through Memphis, a lot of them had to come through Jerry Lawler, or they had to go through Vern. Because Vern was a champion for a long time in the 60s and 70s. He was a good promoter regionally. For his company, but keep in mind, this is the same place where Hulk Hogan, one of the places Hulk Hogan got his start. Hulkamania started in the AWA. It started in the AWA. And Mm -hmm. so that's why it was big for me because I'm seeing a turquoise trunk Hulk Hogan come out there, right? I know, turquoise, or sometimes black, sometimes white Mm -hmm. trunks. Uh, Not not the traditional Hogan that you saw in the WWE, but but Hulkamania started there. And so the fans in St. Paul, Minneapolis, in Chicago, in Milwaukee, Indianapolis, they went to go see the AWA. It's, it sold out because Hogan was such a major attraction. 
And so Hulkamania starts, but it was, but there was no T-shirts. That's the difference. There was no merch. There was no no uh, looking at Hogan and saying, "Man, I look at my Hulk Hogan T-shirt or my dolls and stuff." That's when he went to New York. He was able to get those things. But mm-hmm. on the a grassroots level, Hulkamania started with Vern uh, Vern Gagne and AWA, and wow. people were w- hoping that Hogan can win the championship. I remember as a kid watching. I was like, you know what? One day Hogan's going to beat Nick Bockwinkel for the championship. Here's what's tripped out. You had to go to the arena to see it, Cam. This is a, during a time where you're not getting these matches for free on TV. No. The right. promos got you in. This is why the promos were so big in the AWA. The promos talked you into the building. You mm. got squash matches. You got enhancement talent matches. And you got some great promos. But you're not getting anything for free on AWA TV. We will talk you into the building. You have got to come to the International Amphitheater on Saturday night or the bell time of 7 o'clock. Tickets on sale at the box office at, at Ticketmaster. You've got to go into the box office and get it because you've got to see Hulk Hogan against Nick Bockwinkle. And, mm. and this is during the time where Hogan was saying, let me tell you something, man. Let me tell you something, daddy. It's like, there was no brother back then. The brother yeah. was the w- when he got on a lot more steroids and a lot more drugs in the WWF. But <laughs> when, 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 when the hands started cold and sacking. Like. Then, oh, that was, yeah, it was now we're getting to George Jefferson. Now we're getting, <laughs> now it's starting to go back a little bit. He still had a little snow on the roof, though. But you know let me saying? tell you something, Daddy was like, for me as a kid, I'm like, all right, here we go. Yeah, you know, that, that Daddy works. Daddy. <laughs> and so, and so. You were hoping that Hulk Hogan could beat Nick Bockwinkel because that was the hottest thing uh, in the early 80s for the AWA. Mm. Wow. Wow. Who are but, some, but, oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, who are some of the other wrestlers? Let, <clears throat> let's, let's start with the late 70s, early 80s, because we know when Hogan goes back to the WWF and, you know, you know, um, the whole thing with Bob Backlund happens, and then he wrestles Iron Sheik a couple of weeks later. He wins the green belt with all of the plaques on it. You know, <laughs> then Hulkamania is born, right? <laughs> but who are some of the other wrestlers? Let's say, let's let's go Disco 79 to 83. Other than Hulk Hogan, who, who made a name for themselves in AWA that we would know. Okay, so I will give you Ken Patera. Hey! Ken Patera wrestled in Portland, too, but he wrestled also for the AWA. Keep in mind that Vern Gagne, as a, as a champion, loved the wrestler's wrestler. Because the Olympics were so profound back then, the Olympics meant so much during that time, the 84 Olympics, right? So there were so many guys that were training for the Olympics to try to get to the 84. And if they didn't make it, it's okay. They always had pro wrestling to fall back on. So mm-hmm. he loved guys like Ken, like Ken Patera, uh, Mr. Electricity Steve Regal, Billy Robinson, Billy Robinson, you see the influence of Billy Robinson now on NXT UK. You see it with Timothy Thatcher in NXT, mm. guys like that. So he was a great um, European. Um, and Steve uh, Steve Regal was not Lord Steven Regal. It was actually another Steven Regal. Mr. Electricity Steve yep. Regal. Yeah. Um, it was a really good wrestler who also wrestled in WWE. Um, so Jim Brunzel, Rick Martel, oh. Jerry Blackwell, Sheik Adnan L. Casey. Um, the, the list, it's, it's quite the list, but most importantly, um, Jesse Ventura got his start there in the AWA, Jesse, the body Ventura, uh, who yeah. could not work, uh, yeah, but, yeah, no. still, but he, but he looked good, right? He was, everybody during that time wanted to be superstar Billy Graham, 
right? Yeah, I was, I was gonna say he, he was D League Billy Graham, if yes. I remember yeah. right. <laughs> That's true, man. All the guys with the hair, like him losing his hair. Yeah, all that yeah. stuff, right? But everybody during that time was like, man, if I could be superstar Billy Graham. That's another podcast, by the way, because Billy, Billy Graham, for him to be the WWWF champion, he was only there for a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. Vince's dad says, nah, we want to have something a little bit better, more fan-friendly. We want Bob Backlund, which was a mistake because yeah, Billy yeah. Graham, he would be so he'd be revered now, but everybody wanted to be him. Question for you, because I, I like what you just said there and watching the Hulk Hogan docs, Hulk Hogan, even with him not getting that, that title uh, run and Bob Backlund getting it, that's who Hulk Hogan wanted to be. So in your perspective, if they do go the other route, they give Graham the title and that run that Backlund had, does Hulkamania happen the way it does? So if Graham is the champion, then he's probably in a program with Bruno San Martino. Mm-hmm. And that's going to make big box office. And again, it's not national box office, just Northeast box office because there was right. still a territory, right? So you're just selling out the garden. You're selling the Pittsburgh Civic Center. You're selling out in Connecticut, New Jersey. Boston Garden. In, yeah, that, all Boston Garden, all that, right? Mm-hmm. So it's a great question. I, I'm thinking that if Graham has the run – I'm not even sure Backlund is around as is a top mm. draw because yeah. you still have Bruno. Bruno sold out all through the 70s, but even during that time, Bruno still could draw a house, right? Mm-hmm. So I could see that. Hogan, I think it was inevitable that Hogan was going to be in the WWF at the time okay. because you had to move on from Billy, <clears throat> right? You always right. have to look at attraction and be like, well, Billy Graham is not going to be here forever. So yeah. you got to think about who's the next guy. Even if Hogan crazy right even if hogan was ic champion even if he's ic champion like you know what that guy's going the next billy graham and graham would have yeah. moved on to mid-atlantic and the nwa to be karate billy graham karate yeah, that was right. so, um. so, so 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 bang there's a lot of there's a lot of wrestlers there like blackjack lands blackjack mulligan bad Bobby was that brad reagan's mr saito all those guys were in the late 70s all the way up to about 83 um, and so there was a lot of great wrestlers during that time that was part of the AWA. Um, but there was quite the fall, which we'll get into, I'm sure, at some point. Yeah, but I want to I want to keep it on the Hulk Hogan thing, because mm-hmm. and, and as I said last week, a lot of people don't realize that Hulk Hogan was in the AWA when Rocky three happened. Great. Um, so what t- talk to us about the controversy surrounding Hulk Hogan not winning the championship, which led led to him leaving the AWA because he they wouldn't put the belt on him. Yeah, you know, Vern did not think that Hogan was ready to be the champion. Right? They and this is kind of like this is kind of like what you see in a lot of territories, right? It's worked for Ric Flair for a long time. I'll use the Ric Flair example. So Flair was champion for a long time in the NWA, right? And then when he mm-hmm. gave up the championship, he gave it up to, like, Dusty Rhodes. Now, everyone was like, oh, I hope Dusty wins, hope Dusty wins. And then Dusty wins a championship, and they're like, oh, Dusty wins a championship. So, so who does he chase now? He's the champion. You would think that you'd feel good about a guy. Like, after all those years, like, finally, Dusty wins a championship, right? 
And then the crowd was like, yeah, Dusty the champion. Now what, right? Mm. So the same thing here in the AWA. The, the philosophy always was in some of these territories, let you have a heel champion so that way the baby face chases. Because that's always what you want to see, right? Like, mm-hmm. I can't wait for my favorite wrestler to beat the heel wrestler. That's always right. been money for a lot of territories. That's why it's so unusual for the WWE for a long time to always have a babyface champion because it's always been that way in the Northeast. A babyface champion so that way um, the heel can chase the babyface champion. But unless, you are, unless you are a heel factory right. like early WWF was. Right, right, exactly, exactly. But it, but it was always the other way with territories like the AWA and the NWA where you had a, a heel champion and the babyface has to chase for the championship. And so that he didn't think that Hogan should have the championship at that particular time. He thought it would be best if Hogan chases Bachwinkle for the championship. And after a while, Hogan was just like, okay, so I'm doing all these matches. We're going 30 minutes, 45 minutes, I'm still losing or winning by disqualification. When are you going to give me the championship? And like Vern would never say exactly when Hogan was going to win the championship. All these big houses, like sold out in St. Paul, in Minneapolis, Chicago, that went around the loop with it. And still, you know, it was the same thing. People see all the same finish. And so Hogan's like, okay, well, Vince called me and I think I'm going to leave. That's what happened. Okay. I get it. Because yeah. he, he obviously believed in himself. But I mean, <laughs> at the same time, it's like, does it does it become realistic for, for Hogan, like, in another year or two? Like, yo, I should be somebody's champ, fam. You got to let me know something. <laughs> how, how do you not put the championship on him? Like, to Ben's point, you're you're filming Rocky Three, and he's still not good enough to be the champion? Right. Yeah, that's crazy. That's madness. Well, I mean, that's control. That's control. Like, right. I know that you're making this movie, but you know what? We think that Nick is best as a champion because you can chase from him for the championship. Well, after a while, you know, Vince Sr., as Hogan was going starting to wind up his contract with the AWA, Vince Sr. was like, well, you know, just come to New York. Come to New York. And Vince Jr. saw the appeal because he saw Hulk Hogan, but it was always on, only in a territory, right? It was just simmering. People knew about Hulk Hogan because he was already in the WWF before, as you remember. He already wrestled mm-hmm. the WWF. Played, uh, wrestled Giant, Andre Chase Stadium. Stadium. Yeah. yeah, so we, we've seen it. So he saw the appeal of Hogan, and they were like, you know what? We can put a rocket up of Hogan's backside, and we can do some business here. And so mm-hmm. and th- there it is. And so I just remember, like, uh, the the controversy from Vern Gagne you know, trying to put a bounty, like, on, on Hogan's head <laughs> trying to figure <laughs> out, like, if we can break H- Hogan's leg, then he won't have to go to – he won't wrestle for Vince. Wait a minute! Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Just give him the belt, Vern. What you tripping? No, no, no. Wait a minute. We got to rewind this bus here. We got to, we got to bring this bus back. Wait a minute. What? <laughs> Wait a minute. We heard about the. I heard about the hero Masuda stories about him breaking Hogan's leg. Hogan came back. He was like, "Okay, he must really be down for this wrestling shit." Right. But Vern Gagne put a bounty on Hogan's head. This is yeah. not kayfabe. This is. Yeah. Yep. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Oh, so, yeah. So <laughs> several people have told this story about Vern Gagne offering the Iron Sheik money to break Hogan's leg. 
Irony. <laughs> right. Irony. Hey, yo, hey, Vince knew that shit. <laughs> Vince, Vince definitely, he's like, you know what? You got to go. I'm going to use the Star Hulk of Mania. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to use oh, the yeah. both the Star Hulk of Mania. Oh, that's, oh, yeah, that's a, that's a story. Yeah, absolutely. So, obviously, Vern was pretty pissed off that, that Hogan went up to New York, right? Yeah. Even though you had, the, you had the gold, you had the golden goose in your hand, but he went to New York because Vern could not stand Vince, Vince Jr. in particular, right? Yeah. So so Hogan signs with the WWF and then like because Iron Sheik knew Vern Gagne from the 60s, right? Iron Sheik uh, learned under Vern how to wrestle as far mm. as pro wrestling. Because he, he was, was in the same class as Ric Flair. Yeah, exactly. They said, yeah. And yeah, so 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 there was a relationship between Vern and Iron Sheik going back to the 60s. And Vern called Iron Sheik, he's like, you know what, the son of a bitch, he went to the WWF. I know you're going to drop the title to him, but I want you to break his leg for me. Break his leg. That way he won't win the championship up there. Wow. And, and Iron Sheik told Vince, and Vince took care of Iron Sheik, you know, financially, so that would never happen. <laughs> you know, hey, Vince is the illest. Hey, yo, Vince is the illest dude, because right. not only does he do that, then he signed him. <laughs> he right. him to do, this, do hey, the match again. A $100,000 bounty. On Hogan to break his wow. leg, hundred hundred grand. There, wow. I don't know if there was anybody in AWS was making hundred grand. Right? <laughs> I was just getting ready to ask. I was like, who contract was touching that? <laughs> and we talking about Jeezy and Gucci. Uh, right. You know what I'm saying? Um, oh, so $10, was, <laughs> right. So was was Hogan leaving the AWA kind of like the first nail in the coffin for the organization? Yeah, um, that was the one of the first, and I will I can make the argument that even bigger than that was Bobby Heenan leaving. Mm-hmm. Because, and here's why: because think about Bobby Heenan's career, right? Once he left the AWA to go to WWF, not only was he a great manager, but he's a great announcer, one of the best announcers in the history of the business, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And Vern didn't even use Bobby like that; they used him as just an, as a manager, right, for the Bobby Heenan family. Uh, managing mm-hmm. uh, Nick Bockwinkle and Ray Stevens and the, the Blackjacks and all that. Um, mm-hmm. So Bobby, when he went to New York and was had his was on TV shows and was in a, was a manager, that was big for uh, the WWF as well. It was a, a big blow to the AWA because pretty much um, Bobby Heenan got his start there. He wrestled for All Star Wrestling and Bob Luce before that, but you know Bobby was a big voice and a big void left uh, when he left the AWA. So, but I want to make sure we understand why these people left because we got to make, have context for this. So when Vince Jr. took over for his dad, his dad was like, Oh, you got, you know, you know, I'm dying, but yet you want to buy me out. He goes, okay, well, look, um, you can buy me out. I said, he said, but leave the territories alone. These are all my friends. Vern's my friend, Jim Crockett's my friend, Eddie Graham, Fritz von Eric, Don Owen, uh, all these people. These are people, my, these are the, the promoters, and these are my friends. Leave those guys alone. And Vince Jr. is like, okay, Dad, don't worry about it. And as soon as he got the ownership of the company, he started going to territory to territory. He goes, let me tell you something, Continental, the Fullers, I'm going to buy you out. And they're like, no, get out of here. <laughs> he went to Jim Crockett, can I buy you out of the NWA? Nope, not going to buy you out. No, Eddie Graham? We're friends. I'm not going to fuck with you because you're Florida. We're friends. But he went to Vern and said, Vern, I'd like to buy your territory and buy your TV. 
And Vern's like, get the fuck out of here. Like, that's not happening, kid. You're Vince Jr. You're not the old man. Get out of here. And Vince was like, okay, you're going you're gonna to pay for that. And as soon as Vince Jr. had this thought of not being a regional territory, but a national brand, he went right to the AWA first and got all those people. He got mm-hmm. Bobby Heenan. He got Jesse Ventura. He got Hulk Hogan. He got Tito Santana. He got um, Wahoo McDaniel. He got Mad Dog Bashan. He got Adnan L. Casey. He got Rick Martell. He got Wendy Richter. There's a re- I mean, that's a big name, obviously, in WrestleMania yeah. history, right? Wendy Richter. Yeah. He got everybody. He raided that territory from 1985 until it closed in 1990. Whoever they'd get on the roster, he'd get. You're like, you know what? <coughs> he took announcers. He took yeah. backstage people. He took Al Darusha, the, the producer for the AWA TV. He took Al. Al Darusha yeah. like, come on, Al. Come on. Yeah. Why don't you, why don't you want to get out of the cold? Come to New York. He got all of those dudes. He got no, Roger yeah. Kent, the announcer I remember, like the big voice guy that would smoke at ringside in the 70s. He got Roger Kent. He got he took Rod Trongard, who called wrestling for AWA in the, in the AWA in the 80s, in the late 80s. He took Larry Zabisco. He took everybody. He took, no. he took everybody and just to spite Vern. So spite yeah. Vern to shut him down. So uh, that's okay. <laughs> I was watching the Vern Gagne story. I think I think it's him or the Gagne family, and uh, yeah, they, they talked about that. And I was like, yo, yo, Vince, Vince really felt a way about his uh, his response. Specifically, like, oh, I, I buy everything in there. <laughs> specifically, though, it seemed like it seemed like he had an issue with him specifically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. more yeah, than but, anybody else. Like, oh no, we gotta get his ass out of here. I mean, yeah. but I mean, like. He would pick and choose. Well, you saw this throughout the eighties, the late eighties, right? He, you know, he take the and he eventually got the Legion of Doom, some NWA guys here and there, right? He took the Ron Bass. He took those guys, but he took Ron Bass. He took all those dudes specifically for the AWA because Vern tried to get Hogan's leg broken and try to Damn. ruin his, try to ruin he because if you if you break Hogan's leg, now you don't have the main event of WrestleMania one. Yeah. You don't. You don't have that. You don't have. You don't have Hogan Piper, the score, the the, the wrestling classic the, that they had. The water set of the score. Hogan, yeah, mm-hmm. you don't have Hogan beating the Iron Sheik to have that transition from Backlund to Hogan. You don't have that. Yeah. And so, so the number one thing is that Vern hated Vince Jr. Hated him, and did not want to give up his territory, and and was going to break his main event's leg. And he was like, you know what? How about this? How about in '88? When Kirk Henning wins the championship um, in the AW Championship, we take him too and make him Mr. Perfect. So I'm glad that you said that, but I want to I want to go back a little bit. I want to go back to Greg Gagne because well, that's see, the one that, that, he took everybody except things like fuck Greg. Right? Okay, yeah, Greg's terrible. that's your son. Fuck him. But but if I'm correct, But if I'm correct, if I'm correct. He he loses Hogan and he tries to make his kid the face of the organization. Yeah, how that work? There you go. And I know that. And I know right. So so now going into the but before that, I want to go to one of the first big pay per views that I can remember. Outside of the WWE or 
Super Clash series. Like how, like how was that received? Because I mean, I remember seeing stuff on TV back in the in, in the early '80s, like on Channel Twenty Six when they showed the AWA stuff. But when I look at it on the WWE Network, I didn't realize that that was as big as it was. But also the 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 organization behind it, because didn't they try to make their own like national organization? Them and what World Class Championship Wrestling? Yeah, man, it was terrible. It was terrible. It, it, it really, and I understand why that Vern did that. Vern had matches. He had cards at Comiskey Park. I didn't go to those as a, as a kid, but he had matches at, at Old Comiskey Park, and they did very well financially. Um, but so the first one, the first Super Clash was in 1985, September 28, 1985. Why not in the summer? Like, why, why is it at the end of the. Like, why it's cold? Why is it in September 28th to 85? Whatever. Oh, by the way, I should mention also that the AWA, for a long time, probably the majority of its of its tenure, was a six- to seven-month promotion where the, the wrestlers would have summers off. It was basically, basically a fall, winter, a little bit of spring promotion. Anyway. So anyway, so you know what I'm doing. <laughs> what I say? What yeah. I say last week? When we were talking about the unionization and uh, and the uh, the yeah. wrestling off season. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yes, I just thought I dropped that gem on you. But for those that don't know, I just thought I just dropped that gem that it was a a cold winter territory. Like, because it, it, if you're in Minnesota, you're tough, right? Chicago, the where it's snowing and cold. Like, yeah, I'll go through the, the blizzard just to see wrestling, and they still draw, right? right? Because in the winter, instead of being cooped up, they say, "Okay, we'll give you attractions." And in, in the summer, people are out, and they say, "We don't. We're not going to run the summer because yeah. everybody wants to be out." And then it got come So, so late fall, winter, a little mm-hmm. bit early spring. That's when the AWA ran mostly. I just want to mm-hmm. point that out. Um, so, oh. so anyway, so they ran at Comiskey Park the first Super Clash, Rick Martell against Stan Hansen. Um, and that whole Stan Hansen thing is a whole different podcast. He hated the AWA. <laughs> to fast forward, he becomes the AWA <laughs> champion. And Vern's like, you're going to give up the championship. And Sam's like, I'm not giving up the fucking championship. Fuck you. Like, and so so he took the belt and put it in like at his farm and kept running it over with his truck. And then smashed the championship was just like a, a, like a, a boarded up, you know, cardboard <laughs> box. And they sent it back to Vern. Like, there's your championship. He ruined it. So anyway, Super Clash Clash 2 was at the Cow Palace. And that was was not a a great card in 1987 when the company wasn't doing well. What you're talking about is 88 uh, at the UIC Pavilion where Jerry Lawler took on Kerry Von Erich. That's when Vern needed help. He needed Continental. He needed Memphis. He needed uh, all these up different companies to come together to try to make a super clash. Uh, that didn't draw well. And it mm-hmm. was on pay-per-view, uh, called by Lee Marshall and uh, Ray Stevens. Yep. And it, just, it wow. just didn't do well. It just didn't do well. And then, of course, in that super clash three, that's Jerry Lawler winning the AWA championship. And Kerry Von Erich is off his ass high. I don't know mm-hmm. what happened to him the night before or the day of. But he had, was shooting up, doing some kind of drugs, right? And if you remember that match, Cam, you can go back and look for it. It's on Daily Motion. Mm. If you remember, if you see the match, how it opens up, Kerry Von Erich keeps looking at his 
bicep, right? There's something, there's bleed, there's blood from his bicep. He must have been shooting up and did not take care of the wound. And so yeah. and so he just kept checking the forearm. And Damn, all of a sudden, he kept on punching on his arm and blood started coming out of his arm. <laughs> and, that, and, and so I don't know what happened there, but that, <coughs> that's like one of the most, most bloodiest matches we saw too. Blood was just all over his face. Like he was completely out of it. I don't know what he was doing, but he was wow. not sober, whatever it was. Jeez. But I just remember his arm was so messed up, right? It was mm -hmm. just blood coming out of it. It was just an odd thing. But that's part of Super Clash yeah. 3. And then the last one in 1990 really did not matter. So they what they want to do is have major events like WrestleMania and like Starcade. They just mm -hmm. didn't do it very well. Yeah, I mean, and uh, and I mean, shit. How can you win? Vince is using all of his resources to make sure everybody that you get hot, I take, and then move them over here. So now you gotta reheat something else or get somebody else hot. It's <laughs> and and all because he didn't like his answer to being bought out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. He's like, he's like, look, man. You're like, and and Vince no <clears throat> was gonna take over the territories, right? Because mm -hmm. he wanted to make sure he had like this big roster. He wanted to get the mm -hmm. best of the best from all all places, from the Pacific Northwest in Portland to San Francisco to Dallas. He, I mean, he wanted the Von Erichs while they were hot and right, and, and like they were like, no, no, we can't. Like, because Fritz was like, if you take my sons, if you take my sons, then I have no territory. Because the free words of Von Erichs were great, so that's right. the whole thing. Like. Vince was going to take the best out of all promotions and put him in the WWF because he had his national, he had his national movement, and that's that's mm. kind of what happened. But but it, like Bang said specifically, specifically he wanted to take down the AWA, and it's amazing they lived as long as they did uh, all the yeah. way up to 1990. But it all started because Vern wanted to make sure that Hogan's leg was broken before he wins the championship because he's so pissed off that his guy went to to Vince in the WWF. That's wild. Yeah, I, I, it's, it's like a, I can't, I don't know if it's a Ganya doc or an AWA doc, but yes, I remember. The a AWA, it was things. the AWA doc. Yeah, I was like, wow, this is, this is insane. And yeah, they, they tried to keep it open for as long as, as they could, but hey, yo, hey, hey, once Vince don't fuck with you, it is hard to move and live and breathe out in this bitch. And I like that. I ain't gonna right. lie. I, I respect it. <laughs> I respect yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, and, 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 but you know, right, so and I, and I love I love the AWA because that's the first company, as I told you guys, I grew up watching. But just, right. you know, it's it, it just like a lot of these territories, man. Yeah, Vince wanted to buy them out, but also they could not get with the times either, man. Mm. Like, it, like the most modern that they would be is when they went to the showboat. They did shows out of Las Vegas at the showboat mm. sports pavilion, right? And like it was good to see Marty Jannetty and Shawn Michaels, but even those two, they were like, "Yeah, we're not sure." Like, what? Wh why weren't you pushing those guys? See, right. the, the problem was like, they, even in the '80s when I was watching, you know, Baron Von Raschke and Mad Dog Vashon and Dick the Bruiser and Ray Stevens and Sheik Casey, those guys were washed. Now, I didn't know mm. that as a kid, but when you look back, it was like, man, Baron was old back then. Mm. Baron was like in his fifties then. Bachman goes in his fifties, but they can, But the only difference is, bang, those guys can still work. That's the thing, mm, right? Like, like people will look at AJ Styles and say, "Really, AJ's in his mid forties? Yeah, but he can still work, right? And, and you don't worry about that. Like, as long as you can work, it's fine, right? And so those guys worked at a very high level. It wasn't 
the you know back and forth the 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 kind of work rate that you see now, but the wrestling was solid. Like, why is in the mid eighties I'm watching Larry the X Larry the Axe Henning? Why am I watching Kurt Henning's dad still wrestle? That didn't um, make sense. Like, oh, with his son, he's, gonna, he's on the top of the card at Whitewater, Wisconsin. You got to see it. Why? Why? <laughs> right? Why? Like, it's so I want to go to Kurt. Now, I want to go to two names. I want to go to two names before we start getting. And it was Pro Wrestling USA. That's the name I was trying to remember. I couldn't remember it for the life of me, uh, mm-hmm. the Pro Wrestling USA thing. But you had mentioned already Kurt Hennig. Um, and I want to mention Scott Hall also because it seemed like that Kurt Hennig and Scott Hall was the last of the, the, the Mohicans as far as AWA goes. Um, Kurt Hennig ended up winning the um the championship um defeated Nick Bockwinkel I believe um too which was also a shock he had turn heel um when he had did that but then you know you also had Scott was around this Scott Hall looks totally different than Scott because he has the big hair and he basically look like Magnum PI yes but but um yeah, but um, matter of fact, um, um, Larry Sabisco was the reason um, of something that Kurt Hennig wanted. But anyway, it go either way. Um, Kurt Hennig was looked at as the last of the maybe the last person that could save the AWA, um, and Scott Hall was like that big guy that they thought that could become their new Hulk Hogan. Um, but they end up eventually leaving. Um, but people don't really necessarily talk about their time at AWA. Talk about their time at AWA and how it was important for their development for what they would can what they would end up going to. Yeah, wrestling is kind of like your team, your favorite team, bang. It's like, you know, you're going to go through some ups and downs, probably more downs and ups, especially if you're a Chicago sports fan. So you just kind of just watch and you just hope that your team gets better. And that was me in the late 80s. I knew that that the NWA was better. You started to see the WWF and their national run where they started to come to Chicago a lot more, be in Los Angeles. And so they became, well, they went from a Northeastern territory to a national brand. Meanwhile, the AWA is still doing shows, you know, in, uh, in Wisconsin and Minnesota, and they didn't really leave. They didn't come to Chicago hardly anymore. And you can start seeing how the talent started to dry up in that you, you start to see the nasty boys. You start to see, you know, uh, Vader, because he wasn't Vader in full power white during that time, Leon White. Um, and you mentioned Scott Hall, but then they still was rolling out like Buck Zumhoff and Buck and uh, Baron Von Raschke. They're still rolling out like the Del Wilkes, the Patriot. You know, they start rolling out those guys, and it's like those guys were done even during that time. Um, so it was just, it was sad to watch during that time because. While everyone else is getting national coverage, the AWAs looks smaller and smaller. When Henning left, when Henning won the championship and then he eventually left uh, and, and gave it up to Jerry Lawler to win the championship, that was it. That was the end of it. Uh, wow. They didn't have – the Pro Wrestling USA was big for them because at least they got on ESPN. We can say that for sure. Like, one of the positives for the AWA is that they were on ESPN. You come home from school and AWA would be on, and like, AWA is on. That's and that's how cool. I remember them. Five days a week. They, they, they'd have, like, you have a lot of promo time. Paul Paulie Dangerously was there at that time. So it was it was not bad, but you could tell it was on life support. 
It'd be on four or five days a week with not a lot of people in the in the stands, but it would still be interesting. But you could just tell that once these wrestlers got good, that Vern would take them. Just think about this. You could be I took I equate the AWA to like um like the Oakland A's or team or like a Tampa Bay Rays team that is good, but eventually they're gonna go to the Yankees or the Cubs or the Dodgers someplace else. Small mm-hmm. market but you could just tell. It's kind of like in basketball. Probably you can look at the Bucks like that. Eventually, Giannis will leave and go someplace else, right? So the same mm-hmm. thing here in the AWA. Once we saw wrestlers that looked really good, we thought, well, they all go to Vince, and then eventually you would see them on WWF TV. So you never had real, real faith in the WWF. To, uh, didn't have faith in the AWA during that time because you know eventually mm-hmm. they'd leave and go someplace else. Mm-hmm. So um, before we wrap up, I want to I want to give you guys some of the names of the people who were in the AWA, right? Mm-hmm. Um, people like Adrian Adonis, um, Bad Company, who ended up being the Orient Express uh, the second time around because that's when they put Paul Diamond in the mask when they had the mask wrestler and what in the they, Orient what, Express. You know, pause. What, so what did they do to Adrian? Adrian was a badass dude from New York that wore a spike. You know, a spike collar and, and and a black jacket, black leather jacket. What do they do to Adrian? <laughs> they made him. They, yes, <laughs> they made him into well, adorable. Yeah, he started to get fat though, because the East West Connection did win the title. Oh no question, but oh, they were very but, good. But what did they eventually? Yeah. Do to Adrian. They put him in a dress, didn't they? They put yeah. him in a dress. Okay, go ahead. They did him like they did some black <laughs> actors. Uh Bob Macklin. Um, Nick Bockwinkle, of course, Bruiser Brody, uh, is another one. Um, the, the Killer Bees, Jumping Jim Brunzel and B. Brian ba- Blair, um, uh, yeah. was a member of the AWA, Jim Brunzel, not together. Jim Brunzel team with Greg Gagne, and they were the high flyers, right. Uh, they were a great tag team, carried by Jim, by the way. Jim was right. one of the top, one of the best, uh, had one of the best drop kicks in the business for a long time. Yeah, and um, I, I, it's funny how I remember all of that. Um, about him, like people speak so highly of jumping Jim Brunzel, and I was like, "Well, how come y'all don't give him at least the tag team titles then, like in the WWF?" Because that, that's when, like, I know him as the Killer Bees, and that's it. And I was like, "Damn, did he ever win like titles anywhere?" Because I've never seen Jumpin' Jim Brunzel win anything. Man, that that, that tag team division in the WWE in what like eighty seven, eighty eight? Shit, everybody was a tag team. Yeah, hmm. stop. I just there's a theme to all these names you're gonna give. Jim ever win the t- tag team championship with the no. WWF? Okay, go ahead. No, nah. no, oh, oh, I'm getting to that. Oh, I'm is 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 I'm getting to where you're going. I'm getting to where you're going because Vince McMahon ain't gonna let you come over here and win shit. Um, um, the Destruction Crew, which is crazy, is is what's crazy is the Destruction Crew was like one of the first tag teams I can remember, like that might whoop your ass. Um, that's Mike mm-hmm. Enos and Wayne Bloom. Um, um, the, the Wrecking Crew, um, also was their name when I saw them, but they end up coming to the WWE as the fucking Beverly Brothers. What mm. what they have to win? They, well, they almost killed a couple of people in some of their matches. Um, <laughs> if, if you look at some of the matches, it was a little bit sloppy. Um, other names that you would know, oh, the Fabulous Freebirds, um, uh, was a part of AWA. Um, um. Uh, camp uh, talk glowingly about Michael P.S. Hayes as another as another wrestler that nobody puts on these yeah. lists. Um, like, I'm, th- I'm thoroughly convinced that if I was 50 years old, 
Michael PSAs will be my favorite wrestler of all time. That's just where I sit. Freebirds uh, only last in the WWF for a cup of coffee because mm. Andre didn't like him. Yeah. I was. Mm. <laughs> wow. Uh, they've come Interesting. They've come in late for Madison Square Garden shows, and Andre, he was the boss. There's a reason why he's the boss. And, like, Michael Hayes is like, what's the matter, Andre? We are here. Why are you so mad? You're drunk. Get out. Kicked him out of the garden. <laughs> Told him to get yeah. out. Like, what What you mean? We got a match. Hey, hey, we got a match. What's wrong with you? Got out. <laughs> Kicked him out the garden, man. I'm like, damn. <laughs> wow. So he went to Vince. He was like, I don't like those guys. What's the matter, boss? I don't like three birds. Out. Out. Damn. Yeah, it was out. Um, speaking of uh, free birds, another free bird, Jimmy Garvin was dead, not with the free birds, but kind of like their cousin or whatever, superstar Billy Graham. Um, Scott Hall, as we had mentioned, um, it's going to be a, some of these names that you're going to be like, damn, they was there as what? Um, Stan Hansen, Kurt Hennig, his daddy, um, Larry Hennig, Hulk Hogan, we talked about. Um, Sheik Adnan L. Casey is General Adnan, um, who was the was the um the person that became the um Sergeant Slaughter's right hand man um during mm-hmm. his 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 run as the champion and which almost became Sheik Tugboat if you listen to something to wrestle with which I still laugh at. Um a name that you let me tell you something ahead. about him. Billy White Wolf can ru- he he's a shooter. That dude that dude could really wrestle for real. In his mm-hmm. day Adnan LKC was a shooter. That dude was from Minnesota um, that guy was really, really good. Don't we saw him as a manager a lot, but before that, Adnan L. Casey, I saw him as a wrestler in the 80s growing up as a kid. That guy mm-hmm. was dangerous. He really was. He mm. was really good. Wow. A name, yeah. a name that you don't know, but you would have known as the first Japanese, but then first Samoan wrestler to win the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. He went back. Coquina Maximus when he was in the AWA. Uh, but then he had he left the AWA. He had a dark match in the WWE as Coquina, and he was going to be the massive Samoan who would be teaming up with the head shrinkers. They would say that on a couple of episodes of Superstars that make you think, damn, the head shrinkers got a big ass dude that's coming with him. Well, it turned out not to be the case. They Turned them Japanese and they made them Yokozuna, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, which is one of the wildest character changes I think ever in the wrestling. Um, but yes, he was Coquina <laughs> Maximus and he was supposed. If you look at old wrestling, if you look at old superstars with the head shrinkers before, before the debut of Yokozuna, they would say, There's a there's another head shrinker that's coming, and he's even bigger than them two. He never came mm. because he became Japanese. Um, Steve Kern, <laughs> um, who ended up being a legendary trainer for the WWE at FCW. Um, but um, but we know him as Skinner. Uh, but also, what else did Steve Kern did Steve Kern always look like Skinner? No, he was a fabulous one with Stan Lane. And those <laughs> those two that have like the that was a that was a whole era of everyone had to have a top hat, everyone had to have suspenders glittery jackets and uh yeah so it, it was uh very unusual during that time it doesn't age well i just put it that way some <laughs> of the, the looks that you had back then 
because they were looking a little Cam Newton-ish. But uh, I will just tell you that <laughs> for sure, uh, Stan, Steve Kerr never looked <clears throat> like that his entire career. And you mentioned Stanley, the Black Jacks, Jerry the King, Lawler. Um, um, Jerry Lynn got his start um, at AEW. Rick Martell, who many don't know, was the AWA World Heavyweight Champion, but we know him as the model Rick Martell. Um, Wahoo McDaniel. He was a good champion. Uh, That's right up Vern's alley, a really good champion, but just kind of like in the backland way, a little bland. And yeah. taking on uh, uh, Stan Hansen for the championship. And I think people are ready for a title change because Stan was more colorful, more loud, and Rick was just kind of the wrestler's wrestler. He was very good, but he was a little bland as champion. Another wrestler who another wrestler who we grew up knowing as something else, Robert Fuller. Um, we know him best as Colonel Robert Parker. Back <laughs> there doing this. We don't talk enough about the Fuller family. It's a hu- over a hundred years of wrestling legacy with the Fuller wow. family. You know, but we talk about everyone else, like the McMahons and all this other stuff. But the Fullers, that legacy goes back to a long, long way. And so that's they're a, a great wrestling family. The Jimmy Golden <laughs> part of that family as well. Um, um, nasty boys. Um, the Midnight Rockers, Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty, who who was similar in a Hulk Hogan type situation, they were never getting the chance to win the AWA World Championships. I think they did end up getting it once, but then they had lost it, and then they dipped to the WWF. Nor did the Barbarian, aka the man that's on the run, aka the Berserker, um, the original Midnight Express, um, Ken Patera, uh, Robert Gibson, and Ricky Morton. We know them. As the Rock and Roll Express, um, mm-hmm. Harley Race, as you had talked about, um, Brad Rangins, who um, was an Olympic wrestler um, in the seventies and I think in nineteen eighty, mm-hmm. um, the Road Warriors. Um, you mentioned Billy Robinson, Playboy Buddy Rose um, is another one. Um, um, who else? Uh, um, 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 Sergeant Slaughter, Jimmy Snooker, um, Doug Summers. Um, is another one, Pretty Boy Doug Summers. Um, the Raider Crippler Stevens, the Texas Hangman, um, is a tag team uh, that I. It was like a hang, a Texas. It's like a Texas Hangman in like every wrestling corporation. Like they all had the Texas mask. They yeah. throw the joint up. Texas is like the yeah. same shit. Terrible. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, the Bashans. Um, Jesse the Body Ventura, Baron Von Rasky. For those who don't know who that is, he would eventually be like the manager of the Powers of Pain, and then they had changed, they switched and turned heel. Um, um, and then they had went over to uh, Mr. Fuji. Um, Leon White, who we know as um, Vader, uh, was also in the AWA. Um, Larry Sabisco, Tom Zink, Boris Zukov. Um, who's another one that's over here? Um, Tully Blanchard was a member of the AWA. Bob Orton Jr., uh, Rugged Ronnie Garvin. The Guerreros had a history um, up in the AWA, too. This one was really Hector and Mando, who are the brothers of Eddie Guerrero. And Hector is the daddy of Chavo, correct? Uh, or was it? Ch- Chavo's classic Chavo Jr. 
Yeah. And Hector was the brother. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I forgot Chavo was a junior. They moved. They removed that from his name when he got to the WWE. Uh, Mr. Hughes, Tommy Rich, um, B. Blind Blair, and one of my favorite wrestlers that never did shit but powerbomb people but was like the greatest in Japan, Scott Norton was a member of AWA. So that's some of the, so think about all of those names that I said and think about their legacies, not just in WCW, but in, in, in WWE and in other in Japan, because Stan Hansen and Scott Norton um, are the shits in Japan. Um, but just, just wrapping this up with Vern Gagne. Um, I've, I've, Heard him being the trainer, like the person that brought in Ric Flair and the Iron Sheik. Um, it was like, I think they said in the Ric Flair doc, it was Ric Flair, Iron Sheik. I think Ricky the Dragon Steamboat was in that class. And maybe like one or two more wrestlers who became legends. Um, and they all trained under Vern Gagne. Um, and then Vern Gagne gives us, and then this, during this time, he gives us the AWA legendary in the 60s, 70s, 80s early 80s in the mid to late 80s it takes a turn um but but lately we've you know heard you know the 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 not so positive things about Vern Gagne you know hell he I just learned today that he wanted to break wanted them to break um Hulk Hogan's leg for a hefty one hundred thousand dollars which I guarantee you that could have paid about five people on that roster's checks (laughs) (laughs) but but what I would what would you say is the lasting legacy of Vern Gagne? Vern killed a dude in the ass- assisted living place he was living right before he died. <laughs> yo, yo. <laughs> Put on the Gagne sleeper. <laughs> Fucking Vern Gagne. Yo. <laughs> sleeper. <laughs> oh. Hey, we shot the burn. Man, didn't want to hear that. It was true, though. He did kill a dude while he was in his assistant living. Hey, listen. If you if you willing to break a guy's leg, you wouldn't you willing to kill somebody too. If you willing to break a guy's leg because he want to work somewhere else, <laughs> you willing to kill somebody? You know what I mean? He didn't know where he was, but Bird didn't know. And the guy was like, "Hey, you like to play a little poker?" He goes, "Yeah, come here." In his assisted living place. That's his yeah. legacy. Bang, back to you. No, actually, uh, no his, his legacy is is um, is someone wow. who was on the top of his game. He's well, like well, a lot of these territories, right, where you are wrestling in a territory that people don't know that you own, and you be- and you make yourself champion. Uh, because you trust yourself, right? I mean, we saw this in Kansas City. We saw this in in Portland, a lot of other places where if you run the territory, who do you trust more than yourself? I'll make myself champion, right? And so Vern did that a long time, and it was Vern Mm -hmm. against Nick Bockwinkle until Vern finally ended up retiring. But his legacy is that he was a successful business owner. Now, he was kind of a little – he was cheap with the dollar. He was really tight Mm -hmm. with the dollar, but he made a lot of money and made a lot of people happy in the Midwest – also promoted out in Denver, a little bit in Phoenix, Salt Lake City, played Winnipeg, uh, Canada, a lot of places like that. So he had a really nice territory. And some of the best wrestlers that we've ever seen had to go through Minneapolis and work with Vern before they made it to the big time or going from uh, going to another territory. So Vern will always have a place in my heart because 
that's the first company I remember watching as a kid. What would be the legacy of the AWA? Legacy of the AWA is uh, is Hulk Hogan. You know, that's where Hulkamania started, right? Mm. Hulk, whatever you think of Hulk Hogan, just remember in the 80s and also part of the NWO and WCW that uh, Hulk Hogan is for a lot of people on the Mount Rushmore as one of the best of all time. Not just an era, but over a couple of decades. So mm. the, the legacy of the AWA is that for just a Midwestern, uh, Midwestern promotion, it really resonated with a lot of people. But it started with Hogan and all those people that we saw. You know, we didn't mention like Tito Santana, wrestlers like that. All those other wrestlers that, that you mentioned on that list eventually were able to jettison to New York and make it big time on a national platform. It was the right time. Think about it. All those wrestlers we mentioned in the late 70s, and early 80s, when Vince took over the national platform, Vince saw how great those wrestlers were and put all those guys, including Big John Studd, by the way, also part of the AWA, all those mm. guys, and put them on the national platform in New York. And uh, the rest is history. Wow. Uh, my, la- my last question um, is... And and we had started off, I had started off by saying that, you know, you know for a while it was just WCW and, and, and WWF. And then the WWF mm-hmm. buys out WCW pennies on the dollar. And you might have, you know, impact. And you might have impact and you might have the WW, well, no, nah, impact and, um, and ECW, excuse me. But in that era, of like the late 80s before Vince McMahon started, you know, buying up them territories, you had you had AWA, Mid-South, um, WWF as your maybe I would say your biggest, your biggest territories in Memphis too. But then you had territories like in Portland that you've talked about, um, um, territories in Atlanta, I mean not Atlanta, excuse me, but Carolinas, you had the Carolinas, you did have Georgia. No, you did have Georgia. Um, you even had Alabama. It basically damn near every part of the region had Florida too, had a successful um uh, territory. Now, with that being said, we are no longer in the territory, um, the territory world. But my question is, is do you feel wrestling today is the closest we will see to the territory era? with the multiple organizations that we see out here today. Yes. I think it's the closest thing that we've seen in the territories. Cause you mentioned, we had something like 25 plus viable lucrative territories across the country you know, in North America. Cause we got to mention grand Prix wrestling in Montreal. We got to mention Maple Leaf wrestling in Toronto. Um, and so there was three or four promotions in Canada too. So you can be able to go there. You go to the wrestle for Carlos Colon in Puerto Rico. If you if you could just be careful with your life, because you can just walk on the streets. If you're a heel, you probably can get killed. Just saying. Damn. In Puerto Rico, they, <laughs> they believe now. You get healed in Puerto Rico. They'll cut you. I never now? Know, I, no, I know those stories of like, in, in Puerto Rico, they would have this, they would wrestle at baseball stadiums. So mm-hmm. it's no way to police that if you're security, right? Full baseball stadiums. There's, there's there's actual bottles that's being thrown at the ring, like from the upper from the upper deck. There's yeah. bottles being thrown. It was just it was just crazy. They throwing bottles they, of piss at you in the. They ring. still feel like that now. They think it's real. They, they yeah, real. damn, yeah, yeah they think madness. it's real. Yeah, like it, it was really bad in the eighties and nineties, but like 
Dutch Mantel was running for his life, like every like, like, <laughs> like, people throwing bottles of piss at you, real bottles of piss, not like the, Yo, at the plastic son. joints, at the plastic joints. I'm talking about like real bottles. Like if you're in Puerto Rico, Rico, man. Yeah, it was, man, it was you, yeah, you, so, yeah, you throw piss at me. Somebody has to die. I'm sorry. Yeah. Like, don't don't throw bottle, fucking piss at me. Wait, oh boy, camp. All right, you all right, camp. It's it's forty thousand people in a, a baseball stadium. You gonna find them? They all hey, I'm out. Hey, look, no, I'm going to kill somebody and make an example. Like, hey, don't throw piss at me ever again. <laughs> I, I just got to kill somebody. It's, it's just like, like Ron Artest. Brad like, Ron Artest thought he, he thought he hit the right dude. But, he, but you know what? He got his point across. And people stop fucking with Ron Artest after the balance of the past. <laughs> you get a whole bunch of Puerto Ricans coming at you that believe in wrestling. Yeah, See that—that's yeah. why I, I mean to change the subject a bit. That's why I was afraid for um, Bernard Hopkins' life when he threw down the Puerto Rican flag during the Felix Trinidad um, yeah, um, promo. Wild. Yeah, that's why I was afraid for his life because I was like, "Yo, you can't do that in Puerto Rico, fam." And that's why I thought Felix Trinidad was gonna whoop his ass. It turns out that you know Felix Trinidad not only let that man throw down the Puerto Rican flag in Puerto Rico, but he got his ass beat. A massive square mm. guard. I don't <laughs> give him. I mean, that's neat. That. Man, it's it's crazy. But yeah, man, so you had a lot of viable territories, and so the AWA is just part of that, you know. And so you mentioned today, man. At, once we get on the other side of this pandemic, you can get back and having fans to be able to provide revenue streams for these these companies. Now MLW is back in there. Every time MLW comes to the shot, it's sold out. It's in Cicero, and it's and mm. it's Mexican flags everywhere. Cause they they kind of half believe too. I've been at those MLW shows. Oh yeah. You don't Conan. All of a sudden now <laughs> the fans get a little close to the rail. I'm like, no one can work, right? But have you watched it? If you watch, if you watch Lucha Libre, you will understand. I did in '95. They think it's <laughs> they they kind of think it's half shoot, man. Like for real, like like you know this is a work, right? Like. No, they don't think that. Especially getting hit, wow. get, a, get a hit on a Mexican wrestler in Cicero, see what happens. I'm just Don't you take off the parks mask, <laughs> like, dude? Fuck wrong with y'all. I'm just telling you, they think it's it, and they, they got and, and, and I watched MLW on the Zone early yeah. this morning. I watched the um the 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 first of the restart. Um, it was Jacob for two uh, versus um, Davy Boy Maga. Um, Maga Boy Smith um, yep. in the in for the title, so I'm glad that Jacob won. <laughs> yes, I think mm-hmm. we have someone to root for now. Yes, so so yeah, those those small those uh, territories yes. were were great, but now with the independence, you can make a good a good living. You know, there's a lot of wrestlers that rather not be in the WWE system because they can make their own schedule. Be like, I'm gonna take this weekend off, but I'll work next weekend. I'll I'll make up for it because I'll work this Saturday Sunday and I'll work. You know, they don't mind doing it. So I think it's just, it's not, I think it's just as viable, the independence as it, it was the territories back then. Mm. All right. Damn. Mm. Yeah, because education, you know, man. And poor bang, he's just frozen. Right. He's got to get out of DC. Trump just <laughs> messing with his Wi Fi. <laughs> 
Yeah. Anyway, for everybody, well, thanks so much for listening. To <laughs> right, it's about that time. Uh, shoot, yeah, man. Well, uh, <laughs> well, I guess until we get bang on frozen here, we'll have to switch gears just a tad. Um, Survivor Series tonight. Um, we were talking earlier about how the hype isn't as a real um, as um, the last two years have been. I mean, I think we all wanted a break away from the uh, the brand invasions because I think once you do it like the first time, it's epic. Once uh, you do it the second time, it's potential overkill. Yeah. And then uh, I mean, hell, and I think with the third time you prayed that something different happens and lo and behold, an accident with Becky Lynch's broken nose reignites the fire. So, um, and then of course we had the NXT takeover last year. So without all of that, um, are you excited about the Survivor Series and what are you looking forward to the most um, for tonight's pay-per-view? So Cam, for me, it's it's uh, Drew McIntyre against Roman Reigns because I'm interested in finding out what happens in that matchup. To me, I think that Roman has to go over. I think that he's the face now of the company, which is kind of funny because I always think that the WWE champion is the guy. Like when you walk in the hallways at Stanford, you see all these pictures of the WWE champions over the years from back to Bruno and Pedro, the Hogan and Superstar mm-hmm. Graham, the Cena and, and Brett and Sean, all that. And mm-hmm. You would think that Drew McIntyre's on that, on um, you know, have a picture of him too. But once again, in the WWE, if you're WWE champion, doesn't necessarily mean that you're the man. It's kind of mm. fucked up, really. It, it, it's kind of like when CM Punk was champion, right? Like CM Punk was yeah. a championship, but not really, right? Like Drew McIntyre yeah. is a WWE champion. That's the company champion. Nah, it's really Roman. But, <laughs> like, but, but to me, that's the matchup I'm looking forward to seeing. And then the other thing too is like. The, the men's and women's Survivor Series, like the traditional Survivor Series stuff, you know, what I really liked about that back in the day, it wasn't like I was this big WWF fan, but mm-hmm. I did under, like the star power of it, right? When you saw two sides and match, matchups you wouldn't normally see, well, I'm seeing yes. this all the time right now, right? Like, Keith right. Lee, AJ Styles, Sheamus, Braun Strowman, and Riddle, and they took away his first name, which is crazy. I know. Yeah. Kevin Owens, Jay Uso, King Corbin, Seth Rollins, Otis. Well, where's the real star power there? Back in the day, there was real star power. And now yeah. I can see any combination of these people on any <clears throat> random Raw or SmackDown. That's why it doesn't seem special to me. So to me, right. it's just like the individual matchups like Asuka and Sasha, um, just to see the New Day and the, and the Street Profits. Those are frontline matches for me, even more mm-hmm. so than the tr- traditional Survivor Series stuff that we're going to see. I do and, miss the old matches, though. Though how they, I, I'm sorry, yeah. I miss the old Survivor Series matches. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm super anti-brand uh, versus brand Survivor Series because um, Survivor Series used to be my favorite pay-per-view because I love to see who was trying to formulate teams and how those teams are matched up together, and most importantly understanding that everybody on both sides of the teams had an issue with each other like that's that was the hook for me and and uh it it just let me know that wow when i was watching wrestling there was a ton of feuds versus like five storylines we care about today and then we just get these matches like just these matches for survivor series it's um 
again, it doesn't do it for me, but I watch this because again, you know, the Thanksgiving Eve tradition, like I'm from that era. So like, I've always loved the Survivor Series for that alone. And um, to me, it just sucks that now the storyline is, well, well, hey, this month, Raw thinks they're better than SmackDown. And we're going to talk about it for all the days that we have versus like, hey, Roman Reigns and Drew Brees don't like each other. And uh, and it's time that they get it on. So Drew McIntyre. Got, I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, Drew McIntyre. My bad. I don't know who I'm thinking about. So it's well, Drew like, Brees so got about 11, 12 broken ribs. So, man, he probably oh, yeah, got his right, ass yeah. put by Roman Reigns, too. Yeah, that's fucked up. Uh, you know, shout out to him. Uh, condolences get better. So, <laughs> so we got it. I just <laughs> Camp just is like moves on to say, he, no one says casually, fuck you, like Camp. Just like, I don't know what I was thinking about. <laughs> fuck that dude. I'm moving on. Yeah, you know what I mean? So, <laughs> so like the, so the team would be like, you know, Roman Reigns, uh, the Usos, and shit, uh, We'll just we we can we can throw like an Otis in there and then they would face Drew McIntyre, Miz and Morrison, and fucking um shit. I don't know. I, I, um, but but that but all those storylines coming together for one night was more exciting to me because you were really playing that somebody would get their ass whooped, and then there is the match itself. And uh and just not having that element in Survivor Series anymore for me, it kind of ruins it. With the brand, yeah, I, I miss, I miss the old Survivor Series. I miss, I miss the four guys, um, the four random guys versus the four random guys. You know, <laughs> I miss splitting up the Hart Foundation and Jim Nyhart being on one team and Bret Hart being on another team. You know, <laughs> I, I miss the team. I miss the Hawkamaniacs versus the Million Dollar Team. I miss that. Yeah. it was because this was the fun pay per view. That's why Star yeah, it was star power. Yeah. That's why I know like a lot of wrestling fanatic shit on like some uh Survivor Series 87 and 88, the tag team version. Um, and and the, the 10 tag teams being on the ramp. It's like it's hard to watch, but that's one of my favorite matches mm-hmm. because I got to see all of them. Like, damn, they go to Young Stallions. Right. Damn, they was on the pay-per-view. Shit. <laughs> like, so that's that's what I miss. And and I didn't mind having when they when because the first I think the first solo match that wasn't a a Survivor Series match the main event was Hulk Hogan uh, Undertaker uh, for the title of the Undertaker one but I didn't mind that I didn't mind that because you still had team versus team and I missed that yeah. element um, that's and 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 that's why I miss War Games until they brought it back be uh, for NXT because I missed the team angle. Like, I like, I mean, I guess it's like, yo, don't jump me. I got my squad. You got my squad. Let's go whoop y'all. Let's go whoop they ass. So right. that's mm-hmm. what I miss about the Survivor Series. Yeah. Yeah. And, and by the way, you would like it more if there were stars on the on the card. Yeah. Right. Like, 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 like this is, I'm not taking a shot at, like, you know, Seth Rollins or AJ Styles and all that, but just like, did I, did I want to sit down and watch Otis? Do I need to? No. Do I need to watch King Corbin, who used no. to be like one of the biggest heels in the company, and now he's kind of cooled off? Like <clears> this whole thing, like pay per view is supposed to be special, the best of the mm-hmm. best, right? And right. you just kind of just throw people together. The women are the perfect. <clears throat> women are a perfect example. And by the way, shout out to Bang uh, from my last week on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. At the end of the show last week, I talked about Natalia. She's also part of this Women's Survivor Series. Natalia, mm-hmm. Bailey, Liv Morgan, Ruby Wright, Bianca Belair, 
you don't even go here against Nia Jax, <laughs> Shayna Baszler, Lacey Evans, Peyton Royce, and Lana, right? Mm-hmm. Like Natalia, what tells something tells me look, Natalia will be like one of the first ones out. But why? On the last mm-hmm. part of my podcast, I played a clip of Arn Anderson was asked, why is Natalia getting shit on? And Arn said, well, she comes to work on time. She never complains. She works with anybody. She's always willing to help. And then Conrad Thompson's like, well, why, why is she always getting shit on? He goes, because she comes to work on time. Because, she, <laughs> because she she's the perfect it. hand. But, but, but it's not right, though. Because no, it's not. She, she does all the right things. And Conrad was like, told Arn, he goes, so if she complained or if she had a drug problem or if she, if he, uh, if she slapped the boss, she'd get over, right? And Arn's like, yep. Mm. And and you know what? And and even and even in real life, it's not in her nature to do that. Like as a person, that's just not who Natalia is. Watch Natalia get thrown out first for no reason. Yeah. Oh, she's it's, first. It's, it's like it's crazy. She's first. But but you know what? As long as her and her sister go on YouTube tomorrow night afterwards, yeah. I'm happy. Yeah, we want to see Canadian snowy mountains. We want to see it. We want to see the snow caps, motherfucker. <laughs> oh, yeah, heart titties for the fucking win. Every fucking day alive, night heart titties. I can't. Yeah, be I can't. Be Hey, we understand because you are you are a morning show host. You are the host of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. You are ingrained in the wrestling community. You know we don't want we don't want nobody to just know that the thoughts of Camp and Bang are not of hoods. Outwardly, well, they, they that, yeah. Outwardly, outwardly, but I don't yes, want a nice pair of white tits. There you, you know go. Hey. It's nothing wrong with some milky rice whites um sometimes. Hey well hood. Uh so hood, as always, man, it is a pleasure. We have learned so much today. Um, yeah. the one thing that I'm going out of this is Hulk Hogan had a bounty on his leg. Um, <laughs> and 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 Vern Gagne was willing to pay a wrestler the salary of five wrestlers to mm. get it done. Mm-hmm. Yes, because I know, I know, I know them cats wasn't making forty thousand dollars in the AWA. Yeah, I know. Uh, that, right? I know, I know ain't nobody made forty thousand, thirty thousand. I mean, he had a hundred thousand dollar bounty. Burn guy offered that to Iron Cheek to break Hogan's leg. And that was just for a leg. Damn, but what was he willing to do to take it the extra step? Shit. Well, the, the yeah. other part, the other part of that, guys, is that. And this is, this comes from a lot of people. I heard it most recently with Bruce Pritchard, but Vern wanted Vern wanted uh, a Hogan's leg broken by the Sheik and wanted Sheik to bring the title to the AWA. <laughs> he, he would have been better off giving that hundred thousand for Vince, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> he was trying to rich letter situation. <laughs> see how see how history repeats itself. Wow. The whole joint with Jim Hurd. I'm going to talk about that on my podcast. I heard the whole Jim Hurd talks for the first time since, God, for about 25 years. Mm. So, you know, like Vince said, bring the title, Rick. And Rick was like, I'll bring the title. And so 
this was like, was it 91? When, yeah. Yeah. So Flair had, had the, the WCW championship on WWF TV. That's what Vern wanted to do and wanted Iron Sheet to bring all those plaques, that big championship, and bring it to the AWA. Yeah. Vince, Vince really took his, everything he had. Everything, everything. he fucking had. <laughs> Dirty ass concepts. Vince was uh, like, that's what buddy on. <clears throat> that's what you want to do? That's what Check you want to do, huh? You son of a bitch. What, you know and what, wait a minute. Before we before <laughs> I hand it off to you to end the camp, didn't he hire Greg Gagne and fire him? <laughs> Who? Uh, Vince? Vince. Vince never no, Greg never worked for the WWF. I thought he was a train, I thought he was a producer. He he worked for WCW. Oh yeah, no! If you're looking for Greg back then, you look for him stabbing Eric Bischoff in the back in WCW. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, man, that Eric Bischoff, man, you turn that joint on, man. I swear, it's everybody's <laughs> fault except his. Everybody. Yeah. It's like you know that was Ric Flair's booking. You know that was Ole Anderson. You know that was that was uh, Mike Graham. You know that was Greg. I mean, he blamed everybody except himself for why WCW. <laughs> It's Young Jeezy on Therapy for My Soul. Is everybody talking about it? Sorry. Jeezy was like, hey, um, that's great that your outfit's $10,000, but I don't have it in Atlanta. So. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> man, well, hey, man, um, Hood, um, tell them where they can follow you at. Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday, uh, wherever you download your podcast. Um, Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday, my wrestling podcast every Tuesday. And I'm hosting mornings, Captain J Hood. Um, yeah. Mornings from 7 to 10 Central on ESPN 1000. We got our own app, the ESPN Chicago app. You can download that oh, and check nice. it out. I about to say, they gave y'all your own app. Oh, oh man. No, no, no. I ain't big. No, not like that. I am in the Sun Times, though. Did you see my ass? I'm in the Sun Times. Hey. Open up the back page. Me and it's nothing about They don't quote me, but my picture's back there. I'm like, Man, right. I wish my grandfather was around to see that, man. To see, you know open saying? up the paper and see me in the back page. And you know what he would have said? He would have looked at that page. He would have read the column. He would have said, man, they could have found a better picture. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, it's better to be on the back page of the Sun-Times than the back page of some newspaper in Vegas. Can't patch it over to you. <laughs> there it is. Well, hey, as always, man, we thank and appreciate you guys for checking out the show every single week uh, to hear us talk our talk the way we talk it. Um, we definitely uh, do not have a show without all of you. And uh, we appreciate you. You know what I'm saying? And with that said, Black Friday uh, discount coming soon. So buy a shirt, buy a hoodie, buy a mask. Ho, you dig? Uh, we would appreciate that as well. You know what I'm saying? And uh, throwing up the four, obviously, that means something uh, to all of us, whether you are wrestling fans or not. <laughs> um, and um, as always, <laughs> if you want to talk about wrestling in an unconventional way, you do so by checking out the first Black Champ podcast, Camp Bang, with our special guest, Jonathan Hood. And we are out. <laughs>